Hey, Jeff. Hey, Eric. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? Doing well, thank you. Back to Los Angeles for It's The Real. We had to get the people the interview that they wanted. Bill Bellamy. Not that one. Not the one that you wanted. Yeah. The interview that the people were demanding, Eve Hamad, who is J. Cole's manager and Dreamville president, and it's an awesome one. Now, if people are wondering... Guys, what are you doing in Los Angeles all the time? The answer is getting tan. Is getting terrible Airbnbs. Well, I mean, like, that's sort of our thing, right? Like, Why? Why do we do this to ourselves? I think it's for the story. It's for sport. Yeah, it, well, yeah. So we stayed in one where the shower head was about a foot and a half too low. Not great. Not great. We stayed in one where I asked the guy, how do I pick up the keys? He said, don't worry, I'll leave it open. Not a great answer. And then when I did get the keys, I put them in the, the, the keyhole, right? Keyhole? Doorknob? The door. I yeah. put them in the door. Mm-hmm. Keyhole. Doorhole. I put them in the door hole and the the house felt like it was going to fall over. Yeah, not great. Not great. Not advertising the website. And then also we stayed in one that had a Russian nesting doll that started with Osama bin Laden. Mm-hmm. And then you open that up and it is Saddam Hussein. You open that up and it's Pol Pot. You open that up, it's Mussolini. On and on down to Hitler. Naturally. Naturally. Yeah. Natural selection That's right. Oh. Which brings us to this most recent trip where we go to this place. And by the way, the pictures looked amazing online. Like it looked like way too nice to have these two dopes stay in this apartment. And by the way, it should be said that we've had that feeling at every place we've stayed at. Right. We are dopes and we are easily duped. Yeah. And so we go to this place and there's probably like 600 apartments and you're walking through and there's a, a room that says like the vibe room. Yep. There's the cool room. Let's just say the clientele that are around there. It's a swingers den. It's a swingers den. Like it's it, 600 apartments of just pure swinging. Yeah. Just like wife swapping, like key know, parties. This is Hollywood's center for STDs. Like yeah. It is just the grossest apartments. And so... We are like, damn it, like, if only we could get out of this apartment. And unfortunately... But the, they have a strict policy, we so we're not, just like... We could not leave. Yeah. <laughs> it is the Hotel California. Right. So, in better news, our friend Erica Ramirez sent out an email to a whole bunch of our friends, inviting them over for a taco night in our honor. In the subject line, she put welcoming Eric and Jeff to Los Angeles, which really makes it seem like we're moving there. And look, we've been there a bunch in the last three months, but it doesn't mean that we're staying there. So we end up going to the party. People come in and congratulate us on our move, whatever. At the end of the night, a couple of our friends are like, hey, let's go to this person's party after this one. Right. Well, it was the second taco night. Yes. Another taco night. And it's really close by. And we're like, cool. Send the address. We get in the car. We do a U-turn. We make a right. And we pull up to the spot. And it's our fucking building. I mean, no, it's the fucking building. It is the fucking building. And we're like, what the fuck? We are late to this party. So we go inside. And the party is over. Which... Is that disappointing or not? I can't decide. Well, I mean, it sort of doesn't allow us to confirm that it was like a total swingers party. What kind of tacos are we talking about? (laughs) That is is the real question. Los Angeles, we'll be back soon. Yeah, because I am ready to get my (laughs) fuck on. Um, Taco Tuesdays with It's The Real. Guys, today on the podcast, we have Eve Hamad, Jeff. 
This is an epic episode. This is a an Interscope episode. It, it is an Interscope episode done in the game room. We talk about that. There's a lot of J. Cole talk, a lot of Jay-Z talk, a lot of basketball talk, and a lot of talk around building up this Dreamville movement, which is certainly something in 2018. Shout out to Eve. Shout out to J. Cole. Shout out to Joey IE. And we saw Brocky over there. And we saw Tim Glover. And we saw Sycamore. Sycamore. Man, they got... We saw Boss Nod. There's a whole lot of dope people in that Interscope building. They're doing a lot of dope things. Jeff, when do you want to get into this podcast? Right now. Yo, what up? It's Eric, a.k.a. Five Point Essay, a.k.a. Paper Long. Yo, what up? It's Jeff, a.k.a. Something on the Waist, a.k.a. Obese Mode. Yo, what up? It's Ibrahim, <laughs> a.k.a. E. A.k.a. If you don't know me, you probably call me I.B. or L.B. Something like that. <laughs> yeah, it's a waste time with the real. E, what's happening? Hey, no, man. How y'all doing, man? We're good. good. I'm glad that it took us just, you know, 3,000 miles to get this interview. We're out here at the Interscope offices, and my favorite part of the Interscope offices is that we are outside of the game room, and it's not just like the game room, like there's a ping pong table and like a basketball hoop, but it's an actual huge mural of the game. <laughs> which, yeah, watching oh, yeah, over like the... Which is the best. Yeah. I love that. I think I it's so smart. I will say that as many times I've been... In the Interscope building. I don't think I've ever been here. <laughs> well, you can claim this as your office. Like, yeah, I don't know sure. why you don't. Yeah. I should just hijack it. I know. Um, cool. What does Interscope mean to you, and and what does Joey IE mean to you? Uh, I think what Interscope means to me is, uh, you know, they, they're, they're really good partners because I think what we do as Dreamville is we have a certain way and um, just a certain, certain things that we're trying to accomplish that may take longer than than what's going on in the game and and really um we have you know we have just a certain quality and, and, and care for our product that takes a little longer and sometimes some people don't understand that. And I think with Interscope and with Joey specifically when he came in and then obviously the rest of the team, they understood that it might take longer and gave us that freedom to kind of try to make our vision happen. While um you know while while t- I don't want to say taking our time because we also don't want to just like take forever, but you know while while taking the necessary steps we feel we need to take to kind of do this right. Okay, but now give the answer like we weren't sitting in Interscope. <laughs> and we yeah, fuck it, in guys. <laughs> <laughs> nah, but, but that, that's true. Like yeah. really, they just they just allow us to be us, which I think is important. I yeah. think this it's easy to get caught up in a situation where. You have to be something else or someone else to kind of make things happen, especially in the, in the game we're in now and how fast everything moves and, and you know, in the microwave era that we're in, but they allow us to be us, so that's important to us. Yeah, I, I think it's, like, extremely unusual what they're doing, mm-hmm. like, because, and I don't know if this is, like, the Cole model, because that's organic, right? Yep, like, yep. that is just actual fans who actually buy records who go to the concerts and support and you've gone from like SOBs to selling out Staples Center right sure I think it from from our perspective it's like all right well let's do something similar with boss let's do it with cause let's do it with like all the Dreamville artists and let it be organic and that's you I bet you probably took every other label meeting and never heard anything like that right yeah well what it was is I think that and and we didn't take a lot of label meetings because when when Joey came in, it was pretty early. Like he kind of when he had the first meeting with Cole, and then with with myself and Cole was after Born Center. So it was still early. He he must have seen something early, um, but we did meet with Atlantic, and I think it was just a comfort. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, it's same same thing when Cole signed his first publishing deal. You know, it was a comfort with Ethiopia. It's certain things that you're just gonna go with the comfort, and um, 
And you know, and I think what what we had, what we built with Cole was kind of unique and and what we wanted to build with the rest of our artists was not the same way. We didn't want to use the same blueprint because not everybody's Cole, not everybody's boss, not everybody's Jit. It's gonna be different. But I think the the one common thing that we did with Cole that we wanted to do with the rest of our artists is let's build let's find a way to build a career and not just like something that could be hot now and then in three years, four years, you know, who we're having to blah blah blah. And like, nah, I wanna be able to when I'm done or, you know, when I wanna be able to look back and be like, damn, we helped people realize their dreams and really last and and build their career, you know, 10, 15 years down the line. So I think that's the important part that that we did with Cole that we want to do with everybody else. Well, how much do you look at I know that you're a big uh, Aftermath fan. Like how much do you I've read I read an interview <laughs> that you named that you were an Aftermath yep. fan. Um how much do you look at that model and you're like, okay, well this is this is what we're doing. Well, I think I think that um what I what I was saying in the interviews, I was a fan of the fact that Dr. Dre kind of built a stamp that was just so powerful, you know. So it wasn't you know, obviously he has some misses too. Everybody is gonna miss on some things, some certain things, but he had probably what three decades of different megastars, you know what I mean? Like he he had like Eminem. I mean, first if you want to go back and say Snoop, but you know it's like Snoop, Eminem, Lady of 50, Rage, oh, okay. <laughs> Lady of Rage, <laughs> Snoop, Eminem, Fifty, Game, Kendrick. Like how many people can? And then Anderson Pack. You know right. what I mean? How many people can really say that they've, you know, put those people on? So I think, but it took a while. Everyone took a while. You know what I mean? Like before he got to Snoop, he had his attempts. Then between Snoop and Eminem, it took a while. And then between Eminem and Fifty, it took a little while. And then between Fifty and and game and then to Kendrick took a long time. So it's like you have to trust, you know, I'm not a Sixers fan. I, I like the Sixers, but you have to trust the process <laughs> and kind of like, you know, take your time with things. And I and I respect that about him. And I respect that Inniscope was a part of that, you know what I mean? Well, how patient are you? I'm really patient. Are you? <laughs> yeah. Took uh I guess cause it's it's different. I think I'm 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 very patient in the sense that um I'm willing to see the steps that needs to be taken, like follow through. But I also know that the game is changing and you have to adjust, you know, we have to adjust to um, still being ourselves and still having, you know, the standards that we want to have and the way we want to do things, but still knowing that there's something else we need to do mm -hmm. and to meet halfway, you know, to be us in, in today's game and not just be us and be the outcast, but to be us in today's game, and I think that's important. Yeah. Um, are you still a Queens guy at heart? Of course. <laughs> I mean, it's tough living in L.A. right now. Nah, I, I like living Bro, in L.A. how cold it is back home? <laughs> exactly. That's the good part. But, nah, I, I like living in L.A. It's good for work, and, and you know, a lot of um, the artists that we work with are here. So it's Cole easy. doesn't work with anybody. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, that's true. But Cole's not here. So, <laughs> so uh, you know, like, it's easy for me because Boss here, Kaz is here, Ari Lennox just moved here, uh, Jen and Irv Jen. Gang have, have a house here for like a month where they're working before tour. Is that a disaster of a house? <laughs> oh, yes. Well, to be honest, they had a house yeah. and got kicked out, <laughs> and now they're in a new house. And they've gotten kicked. They were there for like five days. And I will say this. It's not their fault. Sure. They were actually doing everything right, mm -hmm. but there's a lot of black kids <laughs> playing music, working. 
going backyard smoking weed. You know, sometimes the neighbors. Yeah. We've been we've been there before. I thought this so was going to be like a funny reason. That's yeah. like, oh no, this is yeah, just no, like yeah. systemic racism. Yeah, right. yeah, it's okay, definitely yeah. the same thing. <laughs> but you know, it is what it is. Um, in the new house now. Take us back to Queens. What was growing up there like? Man, it was it was interesting because when I moved to Queens, I was ten. You know, I was, I was born in France, mm-hmm. um, in Paris, and and my dad worked for the for the United Nations for UNESCO. So we moved around a lot, and you know, you could imagine being a 10-year-old kid coming from France and just being in Queens and it's kind of like culture shock. You yeah, know, well, people looking at me like, what? Well, what UNESCO sites are in Queens? <laughs> no, the, <laughs> the 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 main UNESCO building is in, in the city, in yeah. Manhattan. So when my dad, he moved like, I would say six months before the rest of the family to find a house and, you know, we were in Queens. So it's like, cool. I, in the beginning, I was kind of pissed. I'm like, I don't want to move to New York. Yeah. Like, I got friends here and shit. Yeah. Well, what's your uh, native language? Well, my parents are from Sudan, so right. they speak Arabic. Right. And mm. your second language? Was French. Right. I'm kind of not as good in French anymore because, you know, once I moved here, I was still a kid. So it's like, I didn't have the opportunity to continuously speak it. I still spoke Arabic. I'm not the greatest at it, but my parents and my mom, when she would get mad, would still speak to me in Arabic and stuff. So it's like, I understood it. And I knew how to speak. I never knew how to read or write it. But French, it was like, I would have to be drunk to kind of <laughs> have the confidence to say what I want to say. And, and then, even then, it's still broken. But then you land in Queens, and now you're just sort of like thrown in the deep end with English, right? Yeah, well, I knew English because I went in the schools. When I went to school, I, I took English. Oh, okay. And, and you know, the schooling system over there was, you know, relatively better than the American one. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, so I knew, I knew English by the time I got here, but I was... It was just the the difference in adjusting to your environment. Like, it's different, you know? Yeah. But I think what helped me adjust was that I played basketball. So it's like I'm in the park, I'm, you know, running around, going to different parks, just playing. And, and then I knew football, and I'm playing in the park, football with people. And it's like, at the end of the day, sports and music are the common thing that could bring a lot of people together, especially for me. So I knew how to play sports and I love hip hop so it's like mm-hmm. I would come with like a CD and my friend be like damn let me, yo, let me hear that oh like oh you got the new Nas CD and, and you know it kind of like helped mold these relationships and then through that it kind of helped build who I am you know and where do you fall within your siblings I'm before last so it's five of us so I have my sister's the oldest then it's two brothers older than me and then it's Boz that's younger than me right and one of your older brothers is a DJ. Yes. Was he always like ahead of the game in terms of music? Yeah, he was just the cool brother that like had it all together. <laughs> like he was mad smart at school. Yeah. He was nice and ball. He was like incredible in tennis when we was in. And you're like, I always thought he was going to go pro. Then he started rapping. He was really good. Then I watched him learn how to DJ. And the whole time he was like a, an electrical engineer making mad money just <laughs> doing that. Like he was always doing shit right yeah. you know if that makes sense and um and you know i was just watching him you know watching my sister watching my older brother under him prove just you know getting to watch people and just kind of seeing like what where you fit and kind of also okay you can do that that's kind of cool i want to learn how to do like you know my brother the same one the dj he used to go every tuesday at that time and you know buy every hip-hop cd they used to come out so he had a collection <laughs> I remember because I, I would share a room with him and it was like a collection full of these CDs and I used to like listen to them and that's how I started falling in love with that. So it's like 
you pick up a lot with the siblings. You know yeah. I mean? Um. Who had it sort of the easiest? Is that is your is your oldest sister because she's the oldest? Like, does she have it the easiest, or is it boss because he's the youngest? He's the baby. Yeah, it's it's tough. I think. I think my old my older sister. I wouldn't say she had the, the easiest because I wasn't there for, you know, <laughs> the first whatever ten yeah. whatever years, or less than that of her life. So I don't, I wouldn't know. But she was the only girl. Yeah, you know what I mean. But she was also like we respected her to a point where like we respected what she had to say and 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 she was kind of you know an older figure that we had to respect. Like she 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 did well with that. Uh, Moma was. He was just not. He was just good at whatever he wanted to do, I guess, and he was getting it done. I would say who had it the easiest probably me or Boss, because Proof was the middle one, and yeah. the middle one always gets it a little tougher. And, and Boss was the youngest one, so he kind of got his way a lot. I was just the one that was kind of just chilling, like, yeah, whatever. I'll figure it out. I'll, I'm around. Well, what did you want to do in high school? Like, what were your dreams back then? Um, well, for I played basketball, but I knew I was going to the NBA. Yeah. I just wanted to like go to school, play basketball. But once I started figuring out what I wanted to do, I think I was more so into working in sports. Like that was always something I wanted to do, and I still want to do eventually. But that was that was like the first thing, and I knew I loved music, but I never thought I would work in music. Right. Like I thought about it, like as I was getting older, like, oh, do I want to try to work at a label? But I was like, nah, it's not really for me. But I knew sports was something I definitely wanted to do, whether it was sports marketing or sports management. Not necessarily like an agent, more like sports marketing, sports management. Mm -hmm. But and then music; those are the only two things I love. And I knew that my whole life, I everything I did was driven off of passion. Yeah. So I knew I was passionate about sports, specifically basketball and music. So you loved it, like Sports Center every morning. Oh yeah, still till today. Like my wife hates me for that, (laughs) (laughs) but uh. But I love sports and well, that's that's also odd on the West Coast because of the the time difference. Oh, for right? sure. <laughs> in the beginning, it was weird, but I kind of like it now because I get games at like four p.m. You know what I <laughs> mean? Like you go watch a game and still have the rest of your night. You'd be like, all right, what am I doing now? So it's cool. Um, you were a Knicks fan. Not his thing. Oh no 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 no! no, no. Yeah. I, I, I did in that era. I did really like the Knicks, mm-hmm. but what it was was I'm a players fan, so I followed players around my whole life, which sucks actually. It sucks to be a player fan because when they get traded, you have to like become a fan of this other team. So yeah, who you was your player of choice or whatever? Yeah, yeah who, exactly. Who was your player of choice in high school? In high school, oh, this is gonna be bad. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, Iverson was one of my favorite players. Right. Mm-hmm. But then my other favorite player was Antoine Walker, which I just really like. His shimmy. <laughs> yeah. No, <nah, laughs> I really like this game because to me, it's like it wasn't about his athleticism. Athleticism. It was just more so that. He got shit done. Like he, <laughs> he was like, he was hitting threes, but he wasn't the best three point shooter. He was right. making great passes, <laughs> but he wasn't the best. But like he was just good at everything, and it was just kind of cool to watch. I appreciated his game. Yeah, and and Paul Pierce. So the Celtics, I was really rooting for. Uh, but Iverson was probably my favorite player. My favorite like player of all time that I had to follow around was Carmelo. So yeah. I, that's why I was a Knicks fan yeah, for some yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. but. I deep down just didn't like how they was doing him, but I had to be a fan because I wanted them to win. So, but when so the Knicks win it all this year, that's right. Are you yes. gonna come back to the Knicks? When they win it all, yeah, yeah. You hear the confidence? Now you know what I will yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. I still, I still like the Knicks. Like, mm-hmm. I think KP is like incredible, and um, 
But that's about as much as I can say. <laughs> <laughs> nah. So, and, and Kyle O'Quinn is my guy. Like yeah. I used to coach him uh, when he was in high school and I was older and I graduated. He went to my high school. Really? And in the summer, I used to coach like our AU team. And him and, and um, another close kid that I was with was Sylvan Landisberg, who was an All-American. I, I used to coach them a few games. I coached like four games for them that summer when my coach, like we would have two games at a time. Yeah. So he would put me on a team that we knew was going to win. Like, yo, just coach <laughs> Colin Sylvan. Like, they got this. And I'm like, yeah, I got you. Wait, so you would draw plays out of timeouts? I would just run, like, call plays that we all knew. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know if they really respected me. I was young. They was just like, yo, we fuck with Eve. Would you yell cool. the refs? Nah, I just, I just make some comments like, come on, man. <laughs> that's, a, that's a bad call, ref. But, you know, I wasn't out there wilding. Nah, Dude, that was You amazing. made substitutions. Yeah, I yeah. made subs. I was good at that. And, uh... And really it was a sterling was record, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was probably like 3-0 and or something. So I mean, congratulations. Thank yeah, you, thank that, you. That's the thing you hang have your hat on. Record, that's right, yeah. 3-0. So by no, the NBA time, called me. Yeah. <laughs> by the time you're you're looking at colleges, where are you applying? Well, the thing is, like I said, I was playing basketball. And the league I played basketball in my high school at the time was like one of the best leagues in the country because we had Rice, Christ the King, St. Raymond's. Yep. And our team was like on the second half – of the league as far as our record and but I was starting every game and, and I wasn't like the star player or anything because I, I really started playing basketball organized late I was just always in the park like that yeah. was my thing and um but I, I knew I had done enough that I could probably play like D2 D3 at worst or walk on to like a low D1 that was my thought or be a coach or be a coach yeah, right yeah. like that would be cool coming out <laughs> of high school and coaching <laughs> nah but uh so then I took a couple, like two visits, but nothing came about. And then the last second, I was kind of like, man, I'm not, I'm really not going to do that. I'm not going to spend my time waking up at six in the morning. Like, I know where this, where this heads, you know what I mean? Like, I love basketball and I can keep playing it, but I'm not, I'm not that guy. And, um, and then like the summer before school started, I was like, man, I'm just going to St. John's right down the block. Yeah. My brother, Momo, went there. He yeah. has relationships. I'm going to use his relationships to get in. And that's what I did. I just like, all right, I'm gonna go to. State. I really wanted to go to Georgia State in mm-hmm. Atlanta, but I did it obviously. And then, uh, <laughs> what was it, Georgia State? I thought I could walk on there, and mm-hmm. I wanted to go to Atlanta. If you if you grew up in New York, you wanted to go to school in Atlanta. I feel like why because of Freaknik? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> like Freaknik, like oh, it's a lot of black girls down there. Like you had all the HBCUs yeah, right yeah. around. Yeah. So I wanted to go to Atlanta, and uh, I had my cousin that was going to Georgia Tech at the time, and I just wanted to go. But did you put together like a highlight reel and everything? You're I think Career? I I think I emailed the coach who, if I'm not mistaken, at the time was, was Lefty Drizel. Huh? Wow. Was yourself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I emailed him. Just me. I just emailed him. My joke like just did not land. So it's fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. What'd you say? With yourself? I said, no, I said you were the you, coach. Yeah, yeah. You oh, were the coach. Yeah, yeah. It's fine. Damn, I missed that nah, joke. No, it's, you didn't <laughs> miss anything. Let's try that yeah. again. Let's try yeah, that yeah. again. So I emailed the coach. Yeah. Was that you? <laughs> oh man, that was hilarious. Yo, <laughs> no, was Yo, that was a nice assist. No, yeah. I, I tried to get it back. No, but uh, I emailed him. But I think he emailed back like something like, "Yeah, you know, just come and try to walk on something like real generic." Right. And I was like, man, this ain't this ain't going how I thought. Uh, this ain't gonna work out. So I I, I chose St. John's because it was there, and it was the biggest school in a sense in New York. As in, like you know, like a real college atmosphere. NYU was obviously, I don't know if I would even got in at NYU, but it was so spread out. Like St. John's felt like a real campus in New York City. So I chose that, and that was that was that. And did you live on campus or you lived at no, home? No, yeah. my house is like my house. I grew up in, and my parents still have is 
like two miles away from from St. John's. So I used to walk there. It was yeah. a long walk. Then I got a car, <laughs> so it was cool. Like it was in it was in the neighborhood in a sense. Yeah. So um. So no, I didn't live on campus, but I was always on campus for well, sure. What were you getting into on campus? Well, you got to think. When high school, I went to old boys school. Yeah. Right, because <laughs> it was like a good sports school, and then um, when I got to college, I'm like, wait, what? Like, <laughs> there's girls that live here. <laughs> Forget about it. My freshman year, I was me and my boys would just go around like we just come up in the dorms and we just knock on doors because when you move in, they have like names on the doors right. of who lives there. We just knock like, yeah, I'm here to see Jennifer. Like just cracking jokes, like just being silly, like just fucking around, and um and it was just fun. Like it wasn't even about like anything else than just having fun, cracking jokes, and um and we was doing that, and then it kind of got old and. <laughs> And then they put in mad rules because of, I feel because of my <laughs> freshman year, they put in mad rules in the dorms. Like, you had to get signed in. You had to be out by a certain time because people was wilding. And, and you really were a security like, threat. <laughs> yeah, I think so. And what it was, too, is like a lot of people from Queens that really wasn't doing much with their lives right. was like, oh, there's a lick at St. John's. Like we get, <laughs> And I knew niggas from like, I would see on the ad, be like, yo, yo, you go to St. John's, right? <laughs> What's up? Let me come in. I'm like, nah, I'm not getting, I'm not letting you fuck my name up because you're going to rob some kid from Ohio, right. you know what I mean, that doesn't know what's going on. So so um, that was my freshman year. Though. Well, and what did you decide to major in? Did you go into sports marketing? No, I, I tried. Well, so <laughs> my freshman year, my brother was an electrical engineer. So the dean was like, you should take some classes. You know, like your brother, he was really smart. And in my mind, I'm like, damn, I'm not exactly like my brother. Like, I'm not as smart as him, but cool. And he put me in some class. And I remember the, my freshman year, I was like, oh, holy shit. Like, I'm not, I'm not, it was like a senior biology. Like, it was like junior calculus. And I'm like, fuck no. Like, I, don't, I remember I got my first test back. I was like, this is going to be, this is going to be tough. Yo. So I got out of there quick and I did, um, I was doing communication. Mm-hmm. Which I which I like to say is unless you actually plan on using communication, that's like the major for niggas that don't know what they're doing <laughs> with their lives. So I was doing communications and um and that was that was cool. Like it was just some cool classes I got to take. You're you're hanging out on campus, you are moving around and you have this communications sort of focus. Mm-hmm. When do you meet Jermaine? Well, I met him because I'm I was a sophomore when he was a freshman. So when I met him, he um he was creeping through the dorms, just knocking on people's <laughs> yeah, doors. Yeah, we we both was like knocking on the same door, like yo, get the fuck out of here now. Really, what it was is there was there was a time in the gym where all of the like the people that played ball that wasn't on the team that were good, yeah, or even some of the players on the team used to get together and play, and that's how I met him. But I, but we didn't like each other because we were both kind of like the same position. <laughs> he was like tall, we was guards. And we ain't really fuck with each other. It was kind of like, cool, I respect your game. You were both Antoine Walkers. <laughs> yeah, nah, 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 chill, chill, chill. <laughs> nah, he was actually more athletic than me. I was more of like a passing. I was more like an Antoine Walker, yeah. but, but like better. <laughs> nah. Just for the record. Yeah. Just yeah. for the record. Yeah. Yo, Antoine, I'll give you buckets. Yeah. But, uh, but no, really, we were both kind of just play pick-up ball and see each other. And see each other around campus, and it was cool. It was nothing. But I didn't really like know him like that and then um were you both nice on the intramural team yeah yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. he actually used to hate on me because intramural split into like two leagues and then you would meet at the end mm-hmm. and 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 it was this like guy and these kid that will always put me on his team in intramural and they used to say like we want like the easier league and i used to drop like 
dirty. Like, <laughs> and he used to be like, bro, you playing against nobodies. And I'm like, cool, but yeah, I'm killing right now. And then in the playoffs, I was still killed, but then we would lose to like the better team. <laughs> but I was still getting buckets. But um, but no, so that that's how I met him. But then I think somehow, some way, we just started like linking more. Because I think he used to come to the park where we used to play at. Me and my boy Ted and Mark, like we used to go to the park not too far from the school and, and we get like really good runs. All the cats would come through same time. And I think Cole, Cole started coming through the parks with us because Tay used to come to the gym with me. Um, at St. John's I used to sign him in And him and Tay got cool From basketball So then So then he used to come Start playing ball with us And then I think like His junior year Or maybe like Like somewhere around His junior year Going into his senior year We started like Partying and, Cause I was I was a local So it was easy for me To be like Yo my man Ted is this And, and it was just like We would go out And we was broke And we would just go to the city And try to like Get drunk as much as we can Before going in the club Yep and then, uh, yeah, and then just know that we we could probably afford one drink that we had to share, <laughs> and and that was like our thing. We used to go out. We used to go out a lot. Like me, him, just probably just me and him a lot of times. Yeah. But then it was like a couple of my homies, Phil, used to be around. So so we used to go out, and that's really when our relationship started because he moved off campus and he was living not too far from me too. You know what I mean? What was the first time like when he told you I'm gonna like I want to be a rapper? He didn't. What happened is. I got in his car. I had heard him like freestyle at like like um, talent shows and shit at the school, but like he was hosting, he would kick some bars, and it was like, oh, that's funny. Yeah, yeah like my older brother raps. It's yeah, whatever. it's yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. But I got in his car, and um, he had the Civic, and he had a CD in like that was already playing, and and I remember it was off the the Grammy Family Freestyle off the Come Up, mm-hmm. and I heard that I was like, oh shit, who the fuck is that? <laughs> you know, oh, that's me. Oh, he tried to turn it off. I'm like. <laughs> Yo, what you doing, man? Like, he like, I was like, you rap? He's like, yeah, like, and then he started telling me, but I'm like, why you don't say anything? He's like, nah, I'm not one of those, I'm not trying to be one of those guys that's like, oh, I rap. Because everybody at the time was a rapper, you yeah. know what I mean? But nobody was making it. It was just like, so he didn't want to be stereotyped into like, yeah, yeah, whatever, you rap. Right. So his whole mind was like, I'm going to just get signed. And then people going to be like, oh, you rap? Like, so. So that was the idea, and um, what was his name back then? Therapist. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say pharmacist, but I think, ther- yeah. but I think yeah. at that point he had already kind of changed to J Cole in his mind. He mm-hmm. was just like, all right, because his whole thing was like, man, therapist, that's a character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If I'm gonna go be a rapper, I'm gonna be myself, you know. And obviously J Cole, that's the name. Yeah. Um. But so, therapist is a better name. <laughs> yeah, but the thing about therapist is on MySpace it used to read the rapist. <laughs> I'm serious. So people used to be like, yeah, I used to send his MySpace for people to check out. Be like, the rapist. I like, nah, it's really therapist. You gotta understand. Yeah. And we was like, this has gotta you're change. Let, you're letting a rapist on campus. Yeah, with like, you when you're knocking on doors. <laughs> exactly. It's like, yo, the rapist is nice. But, which I, I'm gonna just stop there. Because I was gonna say that's a pretty crazy rap name too. It like, is. It is. You gotta be really talented to call yourself the rapist. Like to be that confident. <laughs> but yeah, so it was therapist. And then <laughs> so you hear the music and you're like, "Yo, did you did you see it? Did you see how you could help? Did you want to?" Nah, help? you know what it was? It was I was a fan. You know, I'm I'm a fan of hip hop first and foremost. And I think with raps, like with rap specifically, it's like you can hear someone rap, and you could be like, "Okay, you know how to rap," or you could be like, "Okay, that was technically a good bar," but you might not feel it. Mm-hmm. And the first time I heard his music, I felt that I was like, "Oh shit!" 
Like there's something there. There's like the it factor. You know how you see somebody play basketball, you're like, oh, he has it, whatever it, it is. But um the ball. The ball, right? <laughs> <laughs> he has it. Yeah. yeah so, <laughs> so he had it. He had the pen, you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that fell flat too. Yeah, that fell flat. <laughs> Damn. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank you. That's payback. <laughs> but <laughs> so he had he had it. And I remember just in the beginning it wasn't like, oh, I'm gonna be his manager. It was like, man, I really fuck with your music. Let me let me just listen to it. Let me see, yo, can I can I get a CD with a couple of your joints? Yeah, cool. I I would sit with it. I would play it for my brother. He be like, damn, he's kind of dope. Like uh, my older brother proved me like Jermaine, like light skinned Jermaine. Like <laughs> I like yeah, he like he rap. Like yeah. And then I was working a basketball camp where we would like coach kids from like probably like six to like sixteen different age groups or whatever. And I would link with my boy um, Ty, who uh, you know. Waiting for him to get home soon, mm-hmm. and then uh, my boy Matt and we was just and 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 at that time I wasn't really a smoker, but I would smoke with them sometimes on a lunch break, which was weird because kids we walk back, kids would be like, "Damn, y'all smell like smoke." Like, but uh, and then I would play them the shit, and you know I would start to use my Queens like um, network to be like, "Yo, check out this kid, he's dope," and they will all be like, "Damn, this nigga's nice." Like, who is this? I'm like, "Yo, you know." Jermaine, that be with me sometime. He playing bowl. Like, oh yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, like, yeah, it was rapist, that. Yeah, yeah the <laughs> rapist. Yeah, the rapist. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, that's fucked up. But um, but that was what I was doing. I was just spreading the word as a fan yeah. and as a friend. I was like, let me, you know, whatever I could do. It was never a thought of like, oh like, man, I'm gonna become a manager or anything. Or like, like that. that, if he gets on, like I'm gonna be his weed no, carrier because like nah, he doesn't smoke. So like, yeah. So there was no weed carrier yeah, position. Yeah. So I didn't know what I was gonna do. Uh, what are some of those first gigs like that you would guys would go to? Well, once once that happened, I was like, man, we should just go to open mics, right? I'm like, let's just try it. Fuck it. Let's go in the city because you have the kind of raps that if you start rapping, people going to give you the oohs and the ahs, and that's the most you can get out of an open mic. That's what you want. Yeah. So we would go to open mics. I remember it was one on um, like all the way downtown. I forgot the spot, but we would go to that. There was one at... Um, What's that? What's that hookah spot? Karma. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like in the village. Yeah, like one of those hookah spots had like, like open Sutra mic. Sutra. One of those yeah. had an open mic. Um, and I I remember too because I we had some like kids that went to school that's in college that we like laughing like what y'all doing going to open mic? This shit ain't never gonna work. But it was fun to me. It was just like whatever. Like let's go. We'll get a drink. Your rap impress the crowd I, I loved seeing the crowd's reaction yeah like when you know something's gonna go off and then it goes off yeah. it's like the best feeling you like <laughs> i knew i knew that was gonna work you just didn't know yeah you know what <laughs> I mean? so, so it was fun and um and we started doing that and then i think he just started trusting me and trusting my ear for music because he would play me stuff and i'd be like oh that would be dope if we did this and yo we should make a pro i, I kind of like convinced him i guess to do a mixtape uh and we did the come up and I was like, yo, let's just put this shit out. Like, fuck it. Let's go. Let's put it out. Let's go hand in hand. Let's go give this shit out. And 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 I think he was like, all right, cool. Like, he trusted me enough to 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 do that. And and then he would trust me with my ideas on, on the music if I was to be like, oh, maybe, you know, we should drop the drums here or bring in this. And I think it started growing to more like I was just playing my part. Whatever was needed, it was like, yo, you need some advice? Cool. You think we should put a project together? Cool. You need me to go to the Ave with you and we just start slinging CDs? Cool. Like, I ain't, I ain't doing shit. Like, yeah. I, you know what I mean? It ain't like I got like a nine to five and I'm making. You were a junior or you were a senior? No, at this point, 
I didn't finish college. At yeah. this point, like, I was out of school. He was, I think he had just finished school. Um, yeah, it was around the time when he was finishing up school where we was working on it. So, like, around the time, like, 2007, we started really working on it. Um, it was, like, Lights, Please, Wet Dreams was already done. Like, mm-hmm. these songs were, like, done. And then, um, and and now we was getting out of school and we was working. I was, first I was working at the Queen's Courier. Shout out to the Queen's Courier, even though they fired me. Um, <laughs> Is that a newspaper? Yeah, in Queens, just selling ads. Mm-hmm. And then I got fired because of my boy Mark. Shout out my boy Mark. He fucked up the operation. What happened? Well, I hope I can't get like reprimanded <laughs> for this now by the Queen's Courier if they hear this. But we used to have this hustle because we used to work like, I worked eight to 12 and he worked, no, nine to one and he worked one to five. And I would clock him in when I got in. Yeah. But I, and then. He wouldn't clock me out. I wouldn't clock out. And then when he got out, he would clock me out. So we get paid for a whole day, <laughs> even though he's there for a half a day. But then, like, one day, he did it wrong, and he tried to scratch it off and fix it. And the owner seen it and was like, hey, Damn. man, what's going on? And I was like, yeah, you got me. You fucked up the hometown paper. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but but we had bought coal into that. Boss was working there, too. What? Proof was working there. My boy Reg was out here. Now. Wait, so it was like, this is like the Dreamville Post. Like, I know. This yeah, isn't like, a yeah, real newspaper. But, but not all at the same time. It was like once one would get fired, the next <laughs> one would just step in. Because it was like four of us at a time where you're just trying to sell ads. Like over the phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, hey, here's the Queen's Courier. Do you want to advertise your laundry mat? Yeah. And they'd be like, no. I'd be like, all right, cool. <laughs> so then I left, and I got a job at a... Um, what do you call it? A collection agency. Oh my god! In Long Island, and that was paying more. So now I'm getting a little more money, like ten dollars an hour, and I'm like feeling myself. And then I tell Cole, like, "Yo, you need to come through to that." Like that's. So then he's like, "Yeah," because because he was now at this point, I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, because you, you guys know Damian Scott, obviously, uh, yeah, totally. Damian, Rich, and Rob. I don't know if y'all know Rob Alexander. He works with Revolt. He does a lot of stuff over there. Those were like his roommates, and they were moving out. So now Cole had like this four bedroom. <laughs> kind of like off-campus house that he had to pay for but he had no money thank god his landlord used to let him rock so now he's like man i need more money so he came through well first i had to convince the collection the agency? hr at the collection agency. i'm like look she was like i'm not hiring none of your friends you always late and i'm like <laughs> nah but he's not like me he's he graduated he's yeah. smart like he graduated <laughs> summa cum laude he's on the shit trust me just give him a shot like you know he really need this She's like, all right. And then the first day, he's 30 minutes late. I'm, she looking at me like, yo. I'm like, bro, come on. You're making me look crazy. Like, I just, but, but we ended up working there. And you know wa- who else works for a collection agency? Drum. He right? did. And oh, he, by the way, that's the worst shit, by the yeah, way. Yeah, no, he, like, the, the people would avoid the calls. Like, you should have been great at it. You were, uh, you were great knocking on doors. Yeah. Yeah, but the difference is <laughs> now is, like, you're calling them. And they definitely don't want to hear from me. At least when I was knocking on doors and they'll open the door, I might be cute and they'd be like, I'll talk to this guy. Ain't no cute over the phone. Like, when I was looking for their money. Yeah, exactly. And then the worst was like, this was, this was really bad, especially for, it was bad for me. I think it was even worse for Cole because he really like would feel it and like feel bad for people. So you would call and they'll be like, Listen, I don't have time for this. I just got diagnosed with cancer. And, you know, you feel bad. Like, yo, I don't want to bother somebody yeah. who's going through something like that yeah. for $37 for their Bank of America card. Like, right. So it was just like, it was a lot. It was Unless they were like, lying to you. <laughs> no, unless they were lying, yeah. And that's that's the thing. The company would be like, they're just lying. But I'm like, nah, they sounded kind of sincere. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, you would have to reschedule a call. And we still talk. We was just talking about this the other day. That's why it's funny. Like, 
Cole will reschedule a call for like a month later. Like, yeah. which you're not supposed to do. Like, he's a good man, though. He's a good yeah. man. Like, yeah. I give it to you. I will reschedule at least for like two weeks to be <laughs> yeah. like, should I try and get fired? <laughs> but I hated calling those people. And then, so we was doing that. And that was around the time where we put out the come up. And when we put out the come up, it was kind of like, okay, let's. The, f- the first thing we wanted to do, well, first, no. So we, we, when we was working on that, we was working on the come up, we was finishing that up. And um, and we was trying to get signed. Yeah. Like, that was the thing. And I remember we met with someone at EMI at the time. How did you get that meeting? Through, so Cole had a manager at the time, Mike Rooney, who was kind of, well, he's Corey Rooney's nephew, and he was kind of in the industry, you know, enough that he knew people. Mm-hmm. And he had the studio that we would use called Romeo, and then KMA, so we was using those studios late night for free. That's how we met Maz. Who's Cole's engineer? Mm-hmm. So, um, so we was just going around like kind of, um, getting whatever means we can. So people were here, be like, "Oh, that's cool." You know, that, I don't know if that's gonna work at the time. Like that wasn't in what Cole was doing. Um, and then we met Paul Rosenberg. Wow. From Shady. Yeah. What was it like when that phone call came in? It was it was exciting. It was like, "Oh shit, we meet with Paul Rosenberg. It's about to go down." Did you go up to their offices? Yeah. Yeah. And it was kind of like. It was no real response, you yeah. know. It was kind of like, ah, oh, yeah, that's cool. What were you? What were you planning? Like higher or like? No, nah, it was like or? grown Simba, I think. Mm. Lights, please. The, the couple songs that never came out that are incredible. They, you know, one day hopefully will still come out. Mm-hmm. Real album stuff, you know what I mean? Like we knew it was special songs, so we played that. But you know, nothing happened with that. I think we. Um, he got a call from. Jim Jones through Aristotle that we was working with. The Not, director Aristotle? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nothing happened with that because Aristotle was a part of it too at the time. He mm-hmm. came in. He was helping out. He went to St. John's too. Yeah, yeah. Um, Wait, by the way, and we'd like to ask this every once in a while. When you're in a meeting and you're playing the music, are you like bobbing your head like hard? Are you making nah, you know eye what? I'm, I'm, I like Sometimes I like to just close my eyes and just get in my own zone and picture what they would feel like listening to it yeah. as, a, as an objective person. And then um, sometimes, like, I look around to kind of see the reaction. But we're definitely not, as a crew, I would say. Hopping up on the table. Yeah, we're definitely not the guys that's, like, rapping to you. Yeah. you. It's kind of uncomfortable. I hate when people do that to me. It's like, bro, I'm trying to listen to the music. I'm trying to watch you. You're saying the same words. It's kind of confusing. So, so it's kind of more like just being confident in your music and just letting them take it how they want to take mm-hmm. it. Um at the Jim Jones was, I'm sure it was like a couple people here and there that would come through and listen. Did you go to Baseline? No, it was it was um was the one that's by SOBs. There was a studio over there by SOBs at the time. Um, not it was like it was like a not not Jungle City. No, nah, not Chung. Oh, Chung Chung King. Chung King, yeah, yeah it yeah. used to be down there, right yeah. on on um. In or wasn't that, it more in Midtown? No, no, they moved. They moved to Midtown, yeah. I think. But I think back then it used to be. In there, um, so that was that was one. And then when we were working working at um, Tritium, which I don't think exists anymore, which is the collection company, mm-hmm. the guy um, Mike Rooney was close with this dude, whose name was G Unit Hove, right? <laughs> Who actually G Unit Hove? G Unit Hove. He, he used to work with G Unit. They used to call him G Unit Hove. That was in his name. Yeah. I think his name was like Dwayne or something. Um, <laughs> His brother is actually, I don't know if y'all know Trav, who be with like, who raps, and, and he be, a, you, you oh, probably yeah, see. Oh, yeah, 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 okay. So that was his older brother, mm-hmm. uh, 
uh, Dwayne was his old brother. So he heard this stuff through Mike Rooney and was like, yo, this is crazy. And, you know, he worked under G-Unit. He lived in 50's crib in uh, Connecticut. Crazy. So that was like, damn, that's another opportunity. And um, he was like, yo, y'all should come meet me, uh, pull up in Connecticut. At so, Mike Tyson's old house. But we didn't know yet. Oh. So I was like, yo, <laughs> it was like, I was like, yo, Cole, what's the address? He sent me the address. I Googled it. I'm like, bro, we going to 50 crib. And, you know, I'm from Queens, so I'm like, holy shit. I'm about to pass out and shit. I, we go to the HR lady. I'm like, listen, you got to let us off work early. She's like, what? I'm like, this is really important. You know, I told you, Jermaine Rabs, you know, like, she's like, all right, cool. She was mad. She loved us. Yeah. So she was mad nice. She was like, all right, do your thing, whatever. So we go. We driving there the whole time. We're like, holy shit. We going to 50 crib. What the fuck? And, um. And then he's like, yeah, park outside and just jump in the car with me. So we're like, oh, we're not actually going in the crib. Uh. Whatever. So we park outside. We park the broken, dead, like, piece of shit Civic. <laughs> I think at this time we probably got to a couple dents. Not piece of shit. I don't want to disrespect yeah. that Civic. It took us so many places. Right. Immaculate Civic. Yeah, I love that Civic, yeah. actually. We parked the Civic outside the gate. <laughs> and then he comes out and escalate. We jump in the car. He takes us to dinner, pulls the black card out. I'm like, Damn. Damn. Black card, that's crazy. <laughs> then he takes to the club. He gets gives us a bottle of, I think, Moet each. We're like, we basically getting wine and dine at yeah, this one. Yeah. But we're like, holy shit, a whole bottle? Like, we used to share drinks and shit. <laughs> yeah. um, you were, like, ready to get the G-Unit, like, tattoo yeah, on. Tattoo yeah, tattoo right on yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Nah. But then, then when we went back, we actually went into 50's Crips. So we're like, oh, shit. So now we're like, this is the house you've been hearing about. Yeah. And we go in, and it's like, Yayo's there, Shaw Money. Um, 50's not there But there's a couple Other people there And you know They had the club downstairs Yeah So was like Yo let's hear the music We played like Can I live Lights please I remember Yale Going crazy And they all like Oh shit Like this is like This is the move Like this is the Like yo We gotta We gotta take this To 50 And then I remember like uh, The dude from June That brought us in I think that was the first time when he was like, hold on, hold on, these are my guys. Yeah. Because <laughs> Shaw Money was like, yo, let me, Shaw Money was trying to like, you know, and we still cool with Shaw Money and, and, and you know, he helped out a lot or whatever. Mm-hmm. So then they did take it to 50 initially, eventually. I don't know if I'm allowed to repeat what 50 said. I don't, don't want to throw him. Nah, I don't think he cares. Because yeah. he said, he mentioned before that he, um, that he had a chance, I think. To fuck with Cole before that But he was like It was at the time When like I think Wale was just coming out Kid Cudi And I remember 50 The response that we got back Was 50 said Now nah, I don't know about that He sounded like One of them tight jeans Wearing homies oh. I was like Wait oh. what would you mean <laughs> Like we weren't even Wearing tight jeans though Like we had the baggy jeans But I know what he meant Like yeah. I, I don't think he's seen Where the game was going At the time It was mm-hmm. kind of like uh, I'm not That's not really on brand With us Which is true Yeah And um but you know that's why, like, he didn't like Danny Brown too. He said that too. Danny Brown wore the ra- the wrong jeans for him. Yeah, because he would hang really? out with Yayo too. Yeah. Danny oh, that's Brown. great. So, so that's what he said. He sounded yeah. like one of them tight jeans wearing yeah. niggas. And um, so nothing happened. But then we did have a relationship with. Did you offer to wear G Unit clothing? <laughs> I mean, I had the tank top on when I was playing. Nah, but but to me, it was obviously I'm from Queens. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I grew up on Fifty. It was it was a surreal moment. We didn't meet him then, right? But just even I had met Yeo and Banks in him before, cause mm-hmm. cause like our star playing high school was like down with G Unit, and he was like part of their crew. Wow! So they would come to our games, but it was just like holy shit! Like it, it started to feel a little more real. And I think at the time there was no deal on the table, 
But one thing me and Cole would say like later was like, man, we we really used to like we was fooling ourselves the whole time. Like we was so confident and so like we knew how good the music was that we was always like, oh, the, the deal's around the corner. <laughs> that being broke and like not having really anything going for us at the time didn't really seem like a setback. Well, it didn't it didn't affect our mind to be like, yo, we might need to like reconsider getting a real job because we were just like the deal always felt like it was around the corner. So all these little steps kind of like fueled us more, you know what I mean? And I think that, so that happened, the G-Unit thing happened, and then... Um, well, it didn't happen. Didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, and then we started a comp- the Dreamville Company the first time, and it was um, it was me, Cole, Mike Rooney, and the dude, Dwayne from G-Unit. But Cole really quick was like, nah, I don't want to do this. It doesn't feel right. So... Um, so we had to break the company apart, get whatever little money we had to kind of get ourselves out of that, to keep the name. And this is all like 2007. Like nobody, 2007, 2008, 2008 at this time. So nobody knows Cole. Like he's not signed nothing. And then- um, You trying to feed the blogs? What are you doing? Oh, so the funny thing is I used to um, I used to shoot like footage on this camera I bought like in the studio. Cam? Like, like it was like we had a flip cam, we had like a little small cam, like, and I shoot the footage and then go make like the worst edited <laughs> videos on like Windows Music. What was it Windows Movie Windows Maker? Windows Media Maker, Media Maker, whatever. Maker yeah. whatever. Like really bad transition with the <laughs> evolve, like dissolving screen and everything. <laughs> it was really bad, bro. I mean, it sounds great. Yeah. Yo, the funny thing is. Yo, all the young filmmakers now use that because it's like in style to do that, you know? It is? Yeah. Now? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they do all the effects that are like, quote unquote, corny. Yeah, like, yeah, now course. it's cool. Because like, that's what the world is like. Yeah. Once something gets too corny, it's like, we're going to make it cool again. Right, right. Yeah. So I get it. So, <laughs> you so, were ahead um, of your time, is the point. I was. I was yeah. way ahead of my time. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I used to do that. And then. Um, of Cole in the studio? Yeah. Yeah. And this was like, and, and we just put him up on a YouTube. So we had like a little J. Cole YouTube we made. And. We put one up of like him um, recording I Get Up. Wow. Right? Because it's all before he got signed. We had one where it was like the first time he ever did Little Cole. It was like by accident, like Mez started filtering, like messing with his voice. And, and it, like it's still <laughs> up. It was like literally 10 minutes of just us laughing. <laughs> we had one where we went to like Corey Rooney's house and like we was doing like a fake MTV Cribs with Cole. Like we was just being kids, you know yeah. what I mean? Like fucking around. And, um, and I forgot how, I think Aristotle connected us to Felton, who worked, y'all know Felton, yeah, that's with a us guy. Now. Part of me I don't Duke. know if he connected, but I think he um, he had part of me Duke at the time, mm-hmm. and he heard the music through Aristotle, some, somebody, oh no, it was through, Mo, it was Modi. DC so to BC. Modi posted, I get up on DC to BC, the video that of him recording it, mm-hmm. saying like, yo, this is dope, and I remember being like, oh, we're on a blah, <laughs> so we're at work like sneaking, looking. <laughs> And then two Doughboys posted it. Yeah. And that's when it felt like, oh, shit. Like, because two Doughboys and Not Right was... Everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and honestly, that's that's what birthed a lot of what's going on now to me in the blog world was Not Right and two Doughboys. Like, they, sure. were, they were the pioneer of that shit. You know Did what I mean? Did you read so, every comment? Were you like... I, I, yo, I was in there like, what? What you say? <laughs> Man, fuck you. <laughs> You know what I mean? Cause, Cause it was like one thing that people would say it would tell you about me, like I'm I'm super passionate. So it's like anything I'm working on, I try to feel like as if like wh- how like I take it personal. 
You know, so I would take personal these comments like, man, fuck you. Like, <laughs> how you gonna say that, man? We work hard on this shit. Yeah. Man, my video's great. No, just yeah, yeah. And were but, you were you uh, the manager at this point? No. Mike Rooney was the manager. Um, I was just, you know, same thing. I was just his friend. Yeah. But he trusted me, and it was kind of like, I, I guess he could see that I knew what I was doing as far as the music goes, and just, we kind of had the same vision for things. Like, you know, I... I our visions weren't too far off. Of course, we have different arguments or now nah, we should do this, we should do that. But, but the same size jeans and so yeah. like that was cool. <laughs> You know, our jeans, like when 50 said he had tight jeans, I had on tight jeans. And I was playing. But, um, but at the end of the day, it was like we knew what we were trying to accomplish. So I was just whatever, like what you need me to do, cool. Like I'm, I'm here for that, you know. So so what we were doing is um, we were really just worrying about the music and at the same time taking these meetings. So the so the fifty thing didn't happen, and then he met um, Mark Pitts. What happened is really Kirk Lightburn came to the studio through Mike Rooney again. Mike Rooney connected with a lot of people. I ain't gonna lie. Um, Kirk Lightburn came through and heard the joints, and he was like, "Yo, this is crazy. I got a place for Mark Pitts. I think he's Mark Pitts' cousin, or you know, he's related." Mm -hmm. And um, for months, nothing happened, and he's like, "Man, nigga, bullshit." <laughs> and then. Kirk Lightburn said he would always tell Mark Pitts, like, yo, you got to hear this kid. And Mark was like, yeah, whatever. And then he said Mark Pitts was walking out to go to the bathroom, and Kirk Lightburn snuck the CD on and played Lights, Please. And Mark Pitts came walking back like, yo, what is this? Like, yo, you got to bring him through. So when he went to meet Mark Pitts, who at the time, who still is, I think he was like the president at RCA, mm -hmm. it was kind of like, oh, shit, like, this is really about to happen. Like, we thought we was going to sign up. To jive at the time Yeah And um So he has a great meeting With Mar Pitts Mar Pitts is like Yo this is crazy Nothing happens At this point Um th At this point like Months go by Nothing really happens This is around the time I told you the whole Um Dreamville thing Starts separating Started causing some problems Between people So So now it was like A separation No so then So then like Probably like four months later, he has a second meeting with Mark Pitts. Now, Cole goes back to the studio, and he's like, bro, I'm going to make the best shit I can make. By the time I go to Mark Pitts, it's going to be undeniable. Comes back, new batch of song, Mark Pitts like, this is crazy. <laughs> Nothing really happens. Then we, that's when we like, fuck it, we just going to put the come up out. Yeah. Like, if, if none of these deals are going to come, let's just try to get hot. So we we, we made the come up, and that's when Dollar and the Dream started, because we, um, we went to Greensboro. For North Carolina AT Homecoming, because our boy RJ, that, that's like Cole's best friend, and we still work with. He um he went he went to school over there, so we was like, yo, we gonna that's like the best weekend by the way. So it's like <laughs> we was like, let's go over there and let's go sell these CDs, cause everybody's on the yard, everybody's walking around, and our whole like marketing scheme was like, yo, we gonna sell these CDs for a dollar, and people was like, why a dollar? Was like, cause if we give it to you for free, you gonna throw it out. If we charge you five, you're not going to pay for it. Right. A dollar's like, yeah, whatever, get out of my face. <laughs> and then it was kind of like, but we know if you pay a dollar, you're at least going to listen to one song. And if you listen to one song, we know we got you. Like, it's over. So then we, but we was also just, like, we was chilling. We was having fun with it. Yeah. So we was running up on girls like, yo, what's up, show yo, come buy this, blah, blah. And she would be like, I ain't, I ain't buying it. Or like one girl would be like. How do I know you can rap? We'd be like, yo, Cole, come through, come through. And we'd be like, yo, just spit. And this mind you, it's mad people outside. So they would hear him spit, and you'd be like, they'd be like, he nice, here's $5. Boom, like, just like that. We was going around, running up on dudes, whoever, like, yo, 
listen, my man, she from Carolina, blah, blah. You know, some people will play you, some people won't. And then I remember the feeling of walking back to the parking lot and hearing like two different kids in their car actually playing it. Amazing. And being like, damn, like this shit works. They paid a dollar, they gonna give it. And then we walk by, they be like, hey, this shit hard. Like, you know what I <laughs> mean? Like, it, and it, that was a good feeling. And it was kind of like, that's all you could really get at the time is just some validation from somebody else. Like, we knew what we had, but it's like, anytime somebody else said anything, it was cool. So that was that. And, and while we was there, that's when um, we was in the mall. And that's when Mike Rooney called and was like, yo, guess who wants to meet you? And he's like, who? He's like, no, Kirk Lightburn, I think. Mike Rooney had Kirk Lightburn on the phone. Guess who wants to meet you? He's like, who? He's like, Jay-Z. We're like, man, stop bullshit. <laughs> he's like, I'm dead ass. He wants to meet you. We was like, what? What? So he starts like, we running around the mall. <laughs> the like, just, like, people looking at us crazy. We like, stop playing. He like, yeah, bro. Jay want to meet you, blah, blah. He's like, when? He's like, we not sure when. <laughs> but basically, Mark Pitts took the music to Jay because he was like, he knew that job wasn't, the place for it necessarily um so he took it to jay and jay was just starting rock nation so then we got back home and nothing happened we didn't really get the meeting with jay right away and then this is a long way to get back to your point of how these first shows were yeah but then my boy matt mcneil who lives out here who went to st john's with us he got us like a thousand dollar show in la at lmu and we had never been to la so we're like Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Off of MySpace, right? Like, get the fuck out of here. He's like, all right, what we going to do? So Cole's like, I was like, y'all ain't got no bread. Cole's like, look, I paid for the flight for me and you. Our boy Adam at the time was working in Maryland, so he had a little money. He <laughs> was like, we just going to go to L.A. He was like, all right, fuck it. So we go to L.A. and fucking we land and we're like, holy shit, we're in L.A. Like, this seems like we're in a different continent. We've never been out here. And then we're like, we're in LA, but we don't have a hotel, we don't have a car, and we don't have money. <laughs> and we're in LA. What are we gonna do? So we land in LA. We start walking around. We dragging <laughs> our bags. We walk to that Hertz over there. We try to rent a car. They like nah, cause I didn't have a I didn't have a credit card or a debit card. Oh my and you guys God. were all and, under the age. And of- Cole was twenty four, oh. and he had a card. So you know you had to be twenty five. Yeah. yeah. So nothing was matching. So then we looked right right down the block was like a Howard Johnson. So we got one room. For the three of us, we just like kicked it in there. Then Matt came through. He was kind of like our LA guy because we knew him. And we and then we was like, yo, what we gonna do for the show? We don't have a DJ. So it's like we burned 10 songs on the CD, which like seven of them never came out. But they were like, till today, some of like classic songs. Um, that eventually we'll figure out what to do with it. And I would just stand next to the DJ like, I right, fade out, fade out, fade out, fade out. <laughs> I right, slow the song, slow the song, slow the song. <laughs> I do a drop, and we did like ten songs, and nobody knew this dude. Imagine doing ten songs, and nobody knew you. Yo, and like full song, like you, we wouldn't do that now if right. people know him. Like, right. but it wasn't like an auditorium. Pac Div was on that show. Oh, wow. Um, I think Murs was in was Murs on it, and then there was another dude named. Um, you have all the local guys. <laughs> all yeah. the local, and we were like this unknown guy from that lived in New York. But you're getting a hundred dollars a song. Yeah, that's true. Exactly, <laughs> which we spent on the flight. So really, we, we were broke still. But the experience of just being out here, and I think when we were out here is when we found out. Okay, so Jay's gonna meet you next week. So when we got back, and it was kind of like, but we ain't know when. Or oh, Jay's gonna, you're gonna get a meeting with Jay soon, but we ain't know when. And then we were still working at Tritium. 
like really just were like, you still like invested in your job like in any way nah, it was just literally a paycheck it yeah. was literally like yo how can i come in here do these hours <laughs> as quick as possible and get back to like what we have building right now because we knew we had something building but we needed the money and then um did your family understand i'll say this my parents you know obviously my parents are first generation immigrants, so it's different for them mm-hmm. it's like i'm not in school anymore you're doing this rap thing like you notice know this, this like might not Jay-Z work doesn't out mean much to them like no <laughs> it's like bro what are you doing but i will say that my parents man they like there's like the greatest people in the world and and it was kind of a point where my dad was like i don't necessarily believe you believing like that this is the answer but i'm gonna trust you you know what i mean mm-hmm. and, and same thing with boss when boss got kicked out of school it was like but by then i had started kind of catching you know a wave and it was kind of with, with cold and it was kind of like i don't believe this is the right thing for you but i'm gonna trust you and i think that's important like as a parent it was like then you want to do it to make sure that you do justice for them yeah because like if you believe in me i gotta do this shit right you know what i mean um so then we um we're we're waiting on a meeting and then at the time um damien used to work at rides or some one of those (laughs) so he used to get a bunch of stuff for free to try out and he had a helio phone and cole had no cell phone cole was like dead broke no cell phone so cole had a helio phone but i don't know what he did to it it wouldn't charge (laughs) unless it was in the car it would only charge in the car (laughs) charger so i'm at um at the time my girlfriend was my wife now i'm at her house and in Long Island, kind of just sleeping, and then my phone's going off. Mike Rooney's calling me. Mike Shaw, who's Cole, um, homie from Carolina, works with us now. They all call me like, "Yo, where's Cole?" I'm like, "I don't know. Just try to call him." He's like, "Bro, we calling him. He's not picking up. I'm sending MySpace messages. Jay's trying to meet with him today." And I'm like, "Fuck, his phone's not charged." So I'm calling. <laughs> so I'm, I know he's on the way to work, and I know how his phone works. So I'm like texting him a million texts, like, "Yo, as soon as you walk in." Don't clock in. Just call me. And he's so he calls me like, "Yo, what's up?" He's like, "I'm like, bro, Jay's trying to meet you right now." He's like, "What?" So he didn't even clock in. He like went to the bathroom to call me and walking right out of work. <laughs> Came to pick me up. We in the street. We like celebrating. Like, nigga, let's go, nigga. He's like, "Fuck." And it called like this is like our our ongoing joke. Like, damn, I need some fresh shit, bro. He was like broke, so he had nothing. Like, Fuck, let's go to the crib. And like we we just in the middle of the street, like kind of celebrating. Like, yo, we, you about to go see Jay? Yo. We get in the car, we're like, what the fuck is that smell? Because while we celebrate, he stepped on dog shit. We're like, we're like, bro, you can't go meet Jay-Z smelling like dog shit. We pull the car over. We get a rag. He's cleaning the bottom of his sneakers. We stop in my crib, grab a fresh polo for him, whatever. We get to like where the Rock Nation building is at now, and then it's kind of like, um, you um, you know, there's no parking there. Right, yeah. And we don't got no money. So I'm like, man, I'm going to just stay in the car. You go take this meeting. You and Mike Rooney. Just update me. I'm texting him the whole time. Like, Yo, what's happening? Like, shit, bro. I'm still here waiting, bro. I'm mad nervous. So then they had like a like a three hour me, and I'm just in the car listening to music, chilling. I don't even care. Like Yo. at this point, I'm just happy. Like yeah. something's gonna happen. And um, he come back. He's like, man, the me was incredible. But like nothing came out of it. It was just like it was an incredible me. And um, what is it like for you to be sitting in the car and like waiting for some sort of news? It's nerves, yeah. but it's yeah. also like. I'm so confident in the music. Like, and it's Jay. I know the kind of rapper he is. He's yeah. going to appreciate this. So it was like, but it did feel like forever. Because <laughs> he waited like an hour, and then their meeting ended up being like two hours long. And I remember because 
Obama, I think it was right before um, election day or mm-hmm. right after. So they had like a long conversation about Obama. Like it was like, and then I remember. Did they both come out in support of Obama? <laughs> no, not <sure. laughs> yeah, for sure. Don't, don't take this and make it a quote. Like yeah, yeah. Eve says, J. Cole and Jay-Z didn't support Obama. Nah. But um, they, um, and I remember because he had like the Lost One video was already shot. We shot for like $10 literally. Um, so we had these things that, that he played for Jay, these songs, and then the Lost One video. I, I, I vividly remember that because I didn't know Shock at the time. I heard her mm-hmm. name, but Cole was like, he remembers um, like Jay, like Jay, um, who, oh, Ma- Maverick Carter, who's, who's yeah. LeBron's partner, walked in and like, you know, like just had a co- quick conversation with him and Jay telling him about like, um, you know, at the time, I think he was telling him about how much he respected LeBron and Maverick Carden because they was kind of just doing it on their own. And that's kind of how they started Rockefeller. And, and, you know, he explained to him about, like, how Shaka was, like, in charge of her videos in the beginning of her career. But she didn't really know what she was doing. Yeah. But they was just all figuring it out. And then Cole, Cole was telling me when he finished playing the Lost Ones video, he said, like, I think Shaka and Carlene might have been there. Like with their ear by the door listening. <laughs> and then I think he said Shaka asked him, like, damn, that was so good. Did that really happen to you? Like, like people were like interested. And I remember feeling like, you know, it's just a feeling that you get, like, these people really love the music. These people were really in- you don't stay in the in the office three hours with Jay Z unless something good's about to come up yeah. come out of that. So so that was Do you think like maybe something went wrong? <laughs> no, not for that long. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> unless they started fighting or some crazy shit. Yeah. But nah. <laughs> So I was just like, man, does he know I'm still down here? Yeah, like, like, maybe he left. Did he yeah. took the train. <laughs> no, I knew I knew it was good, and then and then you know that that gave us an extra boost. Again, it was kind of like, okay, we're getting closer. Whether we sign, whether you sign a Jay Z or not, we're definitely getting closer. Like every step, felt like we was getting closer. And I remember that was November, and and then like the next month, December, we was driving back from playing basketball, and he got a call that Jay wanted to do the deal. <laughs> But another twist, he picks up the phone. No, he got an email on my phone because, again, he didn't have no <laughs> phones. Well, not outside the car, yeah. Uh-huh. So, huh? Not outside of the car. <laughs> yeah. No, no, not outside yeah. the car, exactly. This only worked in the car. And I think the Helio thing might have been done by then because it was like a year trial. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, so then I get an email like, yo, from Mar Pitts. I'm like, Cole, you're not going to believe. I passed to him. He's on the phone. He calls. I forgot we calls the town to tell him the news. We get pulled over because he's oh. on the phone while driving. <laughs> License suspended. He gets sent to jail to like the booking, uh, yeah. central booking. We're like, no fucking way. Oh my like, God. So then, but, but he told me, he's like, bro, that was the easiest time I ever had <laughs> in central booking because the whole time I'm like, I'm about to get signed. <laughs> so it's like, that was like basically, I don't know how long this talk was about that, but that was the journey that got us from kind of where I started with him as just kind of being like his friend. And at the time, even when he got signed, I wasn't his manager. Yeah. Mm. At that point, Cole felt like, yo, I, I wasn't even thinking of being a manager. I was just like, yo, I'm, I know the music. I'm going to help you with this. We're going to make this happen, right? And I think at the time, he's like, damn. I, I, one, I think he wanted it. And two, it was like, yo, I owe Mark Pitts for this. And it's like, yo, Mark, you should manage me. Mark was like, I was waiting for you to ask. I'm yeah. with that. Yeah. So Mark Pitts and Boston was the manager. He got to deal with Rock Nation. And I was just, you know, like really in in its truest sense, I was the AR in the sense that I was really working on the music with him. But 
also kind of like day-to-day manager because I knew I knew the vision and I knew what what fit and what didn't fit and what he was willing to do or not willing to do. So, but I wasn't like the manager. That was that was to that point. You know um, I mean? Were you in the studio session when he recorded the Blueprint 3 stuff? Yes. What was, was that like? That was intense because that was actually, I didn't meet Jay today. He went to the, to the meeting. I met Jay after he signed at the Spotted Pig. Mm-hmm. Like I told you earlier, yep. after listening to y'all podcast, Rich Climber, which was incredible. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I text Rich about that too. I was yeah. like, yo, you killed that. Yeah. Um, we um, we went to the Spotted Pig. Mark Pitts was there. I was there. Cole, Jay Brown, Jay, I want to say maybe Tata, Rich Climbing, John Manili. Like the the core of yeah. what was Rock Nation when it was just starting. I remember because me and Cole were so nervous, like, yeah, we got to take some shots before we go in there. <laughs> so we stopped, like, around the corner, took a shot of Patron or some shit, like, to loosen up. And I remember getting in there, and that was the first time I met Jay. And, you know, I'm obviously a huge, till today, huge Jay fan. And um, I remember because somebody said, yo, Jay. And both Jay Brown, Cole, and Jay-Z looked. And, and Hope was like, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. We're going to have to get this. I'm Jay. Yeah. Like, y'all going to basically... Cole was like, shit, I go by Cole anyway. Yeah. And Jay Brown was Jay Brown. Yeah. So it was like, so that was the first time I met him. The second time was when we went to the studio. And that was, that was like, yo, Jay wants you to come by. He has his verse. He has an idea for you. And that was the same studio we waited outside the year before to try to give him a CD <laughs> that never worked out. So it was kind of like, oh, like we really walk, and we walk in the studio and it's Guru, Jay-Z, and Beyonce and then it's just me and Cole and I'm it's like unbelievable and and I remember because I'm sitting kind of like close to Jay and Jay's like wait which Jay? <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm sitting next to Jay-Z and then <laughs> and he's playing his Blueprint 3 and in my mind I'm like how did I get here? how did I get to this point in my life where I'm sitting here listening to unreleased Jay-Z oh music and he was playing the songs that didn't even make the album that was hard <laughs> and then he played his off that and he was like, it don't got no hook on it. But then he like looks at me and he's rapping like the hook to me. Like, yeah, the hook going to be like, uh, we off that. And I'm like, in the time I'm like, yeah, exactly. Like, that's fire. Yeah. Like, whatever he said was fire in that room, I'll tell you that much. And 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 I remember just being like, yo, this is so crazy. He played us a joint that I remember never came out called, um, I think it was like Hypothetically Thinking or something like that. It was crazy, though. I, I remember being like, holy shit, like, what the fuck is that? Um so then, then he's like, all right, so this is the song I want you on. He plays Stars more. And I'm like, oh, this makes perfect sense. So then he's like, all right, write your verse. And I'm like, <laughs> Cole got to write his verse in front of Jay and Beyonce? I'm like, I don't know how he going to do this. Like, this is well, too much pressure. How, how quickly does Cole work? He did that shit fast. He wrote that verse in like 45 minutes. Wow. Which, you know, with that pressure, I was surprised. Yeah. Because the B played... Jay and Beyonce get on their laptop, and I think Jay was probably in his headphones. Beyonce is like, um, I think Beyonce was using Windows Movie Maker. Yeah, she was <laughs> like, like editing footage of Jay, and I was just like, <laughs> so she was doing something. She walks out the room, Cole's writing, and I'm saying it like, bro, I hope, I just hope, I know he's gonna deliver, yeah, because I know him, he's and he's a competitor. Like, you know, I know him from, from basketball, yeah, from was, rap, yeah. anything. Like, you challenge him, he's going to go for blood. So I know he's going to come through, but I'm like, it's still, like, nerve-wracking. Then I remember Jay had to do something. So we went outside real quick in the other room, like in a smaller room, 
to finish the verse. And I remember he had two like different endings. It was like, yo, which one you think is better? And I was like, that one. He was like, all right, cool. So he went back in and he was like, yo, I'm ready. And he reco- and recorded. I'm looking at Jay like, I hope he likes I remember Jay being like, you know, doing the Jay face. Yeah. And I'm like, woo. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God, thank God. So he's like going crazy. Then he's like, but you know, you got to pass my A&R. My A&R got to like it. So he brings Beyonce in the room. Oh, my God. Plays it for her. And I'm like, oh, holy shit. I hope Beyonce likes this. She goes crazy. She's like, play it again. And I remember just being like, damn, like, how did we get here? You know what I mean? Like, a year ago, we was drinking E&J outside of the same exact building. And, you know, technically got played by Jay. Like, how are we back here on, and the Blueprint 3 was anticipated. Like, everybody wanted to hear that album. So it was like, damn, how the fuck? And, and we was just so excited. But the crazy part is, after that, we, we go meet No ID for the first time. And he's telling us about the album, and then and then he's like, "Yeah, I don't know if your verse made it." And we're like, "What the fuck you mean? <laughs> we don't know if our verse made it." Like, yeah, he added another verse after that. We're like, "No," and and, and at the time, Cole's relationship with Jay wasn't like he could just hit him up. Right. Like Cole, when we first started, he was like, "I'm not gonna be all up under these guys. Like, I don't want to be the guy that's around them. I want to get to a point where they have to. I'm a peer." So he didn't really have a relationship with Jay, and we was like. Man, what the fuck? That's whack. We don't even know if his verse. We didn't find out he was on Blueprint 3 till Elite. That's crazy. And I remember Elite because it was like the whole Timberland thing. Like some of the Timberland records started yeah, yeah, leaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I remember we seen on Not Right when when <laughs> when Elite um, with his verse on it. We was like, oh, you made it. Like that's how we found out. Oh so God. that was probably like we recorded. He recorded that verse probably like I can't even tell you how long before the album actually came out. So it was just months of us not knowing whether it made it. And then that that was kind of like just like a moment. What are you guys working on in the meantime? The warm-up. Mm. So so we had a lot of the warm-up. And the warm-up initially was, because what happened is when he was trying to get signed, Cole was trying to make songs to kind of get him signed, trying to make certain songs. and And then... I remember we would get into crazy arguments in the studio where, like, he would get into argument with, like, Mike Rooney or somebody else, and it would kind of be like, um, like, yo, that's not it. That's not it. Like, they're not, they're not going to end in there. I remember Cole snapping once on, like, everybody in the studio, like, yo, like, y'all got to shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, y'all ain't making the songs. Don't tell me what kind of song I made. Like, he was, you could tell he went through, like, it was just tough at the time because everybody has certain expectations. Yeah. We was taking these meetings, and then he, um, he was like, man, I ain't like I'm 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 not coming to the studio for a bit. And he went to Elite's house. And that's how he started the warm-up. Cause the warm-up in the beginning was just basically he was just gonna go crazy on beats that were out. So that's that's when we was working on the warm-up and and we, we was doing the warm-up and it was just like, oh, this is really fire. And then Drake came out and fucked everything up. <laughs> Cause he came out with an album that was basically as a mixtape, and we was like, damn, we can't come out with it freestyles when this guy's coming out with a fucking (laughs) album so so that's when we decided like to add lights please and Mm -hmm. all these songs that were really like hard to put on there but because at the time we still had an idea like these are album songs we didn't realize the power that this era of mixtape artists were gonna have Mm -hmm. on on today you know what i mean we didn't know Mm -hmm. so so we was working on a warm-up and and we kind of restructured it after drake's um so far gone came out because we spent we drove to Miami after he got signed in a Civic from New York. It was, it 
was a bad trip because three of us were six four. <laughs> it was tough, but so far God had just dropped, and I remember we played it probably like the whole ride because because Cole put me on a Drake like six months before that when Drake had dropped sooner sooner or later sooner or later. Cole's like, yo, this shit is incredible. We when we was at Ant Homecoming selling the mixtape. Like yo, this shit is incredible, and then we had not, we hadn't really heard from Drake since. We just had heard that song, and then I heard the, um, the joint on the Kanye beat. Why do I feel so alone? I heard that, and I was like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> so I remember telling Cole like, "You gotta hear this Drake." And Cole's like, "Yeah, whatever." <laughs> like not really like paying attention, and we got in his car. I'm like, "Now nah, you gonna hear this yeah. shit?" And I played it, and he was like, "Oh shit!" Like so, so when when so far gone came out, that kind of shifted how we were. Approaching the mixtape And it was also at the time When it was like Drake J. Cole Who's this new J. Cole guy right. like, It's like the light skin battle Or whatever yeah. And um, and that's what we was working on And then we dropped The warm up And then you know That caught a crazy buzz Well just, yeah but what did What did Columbia and Rock Nation think When you guys were putting out Like heat That you know they, Was for free uh, Without throwing anybody Under the bus <laughs> Throw them under the bus the Most <laughs> controversial podcast out there I just don't think they knew Yeah They didn't get it you know what I mean? Like, and I don't, I don't, I don't want to say they didn't get it. Like they didn't know the music wasn't good. They, I think they knew the music was good. Mm-hmm. I think they knew he was talented, but they didn't get what was happening at the time. I, I think that, and I feel like I could confidently say this. I feel like that era, what Cole did, affected what happened for the next like six years of the industry. Because what happened is Cole and Drake were like the two new artists. This was after Wale and Cuddy, mm-hmm. right? And and where Wale, I feel like you know, even, even though we're in Interscope now, they didn't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. So they kind of set him up wrong. Cuddy caught a hit with Day and Night, and he was and he was starting to go, and he had the Kanye co-sign. Drake had a smash with Best I Ever Had, and then you had Cole who had like this fan base, but he had no single. Mm-hmm. So you know, I think what happened is they knew it was something there, but they didn't really know what to do with it, and. It held us back And it was kind of like Well we can't put your album out Until you get a single So then it was like Fuck Here's who that We don't know what a single is Here's who that um, Cool but It didn't really work Cool So what are we gonna do now So then we had Can't get enough And I remember Cold did Can't get enough The same night We went Drake bought him out At Radio City And we seen Trey there Trey songs And Trey was hot at the time And I'm like Man we should put Trey on that hood Cause like Hell yeah that's, That'll be fire So we we had Trey do the hook, but it was like a little more rappy, mm-hmm. and um, and we was hyped. This after this after we played Jay Higher, and he was like, "Ooh, that's fire!" But I don't know if that's it. And it was like every time we would go to Jay, we'd be like, "We got a single." He'd be like, "Ooh, this is crazy!" I don't know if that's it. It'll be like deflation. Then we like blow up. Ooh, this is crazy. It's like a nine point five, but I think you got a ten. Fuck. So then it was like can't get enough. And he went crazy. I remember because it was like some mob shit. We went to meet him, and he was at Butter, the restaurant, yep. and it was no one in there but him eating. <laughs> and um, and we walked up, and we and Cole was like, "Yo, I think I got it." And and um, f- funny story that day, uh, Jay was there, and he ordered a steak. No, he ordered uh some pasta, and he was like, he sent it back. And and when the, when the waiter came, the waiter was like, "What do you want?" Like, I'll just take the steak. Uh, well done. And we looked at Jay like, well done. <laughs> Like, bro, you rich. Like, you kind of been around the world at this point. You still and Cole told him, like, yo, why you still getting your steak well done? And and then um, 
And I remember like a couple weeks later, because Jay text Cole like, yo, how you say I should get the steak again? And Cole was like, uh, try medium well. Like, I'll never forget that. Because he's like, Jay, you get your steak, like, you buy expensive art. Like, that don't make sense. So so we played him, can't get enough, and he went crazy. How do you play it? You played on the house system? No, no, no. Oh, yeah, yeah. He went, we played him, can't get enough, and have, we played him blow up in his car outside of like Soho House. Him and Cole jumped in the car and like, so we blame Can't Get Enough. He goes crazy. We like, I think we got a single. Then like a month later, Jay comes back. He's like, yo, I think Trey Song should do it different. And it was like, <laughs> all right. So Trey like sang it a little more, which Rich Kleinman mentioned in, yeah, in, in yeah, the podcast, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is true. How did Trey take that? I don't think he took it anyway because I think he didn't like, he ain't taking it anyway. I don't remember him feeling anyway. And then. I remember Jay being like, ah, I'm not sure if it's it anymore. And I'm at that point, I'm hurt because I'm like, <laughs> you just sat with it for too long. <laughs> Anybody that sits with a song for too long after a while is going to be like, I don't know if that's the one. Right. Yeah. So that's when we were just stuck. And we was like, man, we got to do something. And that's when Friday Night Lights came about, which yeah. is really sacrificing his first album for the most part. And that really hurt. And I think what happened is Friday Night Lights went so crazy that now it's like the label's stuck again. Because they're like, well, we don't really know what the fuck is going on. Like, Did they look at the trending topics and see it? No, like- <laughs> they, at that time, but you got to think, at the time, that wasn't even a thing. Like, First of all, Twitter wasn't like as crazy as it is now. Right, right. well, and Donald two, Trump like, wasn't running it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Donald Trump wasn't the highlight. Yeah. And then, two, all the artists that were taken off had hits. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, There was artists that was coming out, but they weren't taken off. But it's like day and night was booming. Yeah. Best I ever had was going crazy. Um B.O.B. had hits You know what I mean mm-hmm. uh, Who else was was in that era um, Even Asher Big Roth. Sean had came okay. out Asher Roth had yeah, yeah. <laughs> He had a hit yeah. um, Even Big Sean who came out like Right before him Had, had started getting hits mm-hmm. So it's kind of like We were in a weird place Where people was like And then the internet started going crazy Like he's never gonna drop an album Um <laughs> He's never gonna have a hit. Right. His album ain't gonna say. I still remember to this day there was a meme, and it's like when meme were like new. <laughs> it was a meme of um, remember that picture of Jay and Kanye in the car laughing? You know the video? <laughs> and it was like, ha ha ha, J. Cole thinks his album's gonna come out. And I remember <laughs> looking at that shit like hurt, like, damn, like they really just killing us. Yo. So it was like a lot of pressure on us. And we was just trying to do whatever, and, and it was really a bad time. Because Cole wasn't, I feel like he wasn't making music from like a good place. He was making music from a place of, I need a hit, mm-hmm. I need a hit. And that wasn't really his thing. And then he made work out and we was like, oh, if they don't take this, yeah, I don't know what the fuck to do. And um, and I think, I mean, I'm not sure. I never had a conversation with Jay about this. But I think at that point, Jay was like, yeah, yeah whatever. <laughs> Let him put this shit. Like, give him, yeah, that's the single. And, um, and then we put workout out and... It wasn't doing anything. You know, it wasn't really doing anything. But the album still had a date. So we was like, fuck it. We just wanted the album to come out. And I think that's why I say I think the game changed right there. Because first of all, we was on a conference call. Columbia was on a conference call with our radio rep. And the radio rep was like, yo, Cole, you should jump on this. Because we was in like Texas doing a radio run. You should jump on this and, you know, just say hi to everybody. It would be cool. And one thing about Cole that I would say is when we was doing these radio runs for Who That. Me and him was soaking game up. We was understanding how to work the game. And at the same time, Cole is naturally just a very good person at heart. Just He's just a good person. So even when we didn't have hits, a lot of those radio people, they, they fell in love with him as a person. And I think they they were willing to help him out. 
And That's so important, by the it's way. It's super important. I, I really tell people, I don't think we would be here if it wasn't for that. That and All I Want Is You. Because we have a hit, but at least we's on radio. You know what I <laughs> mean? Shout out Miguel. So, so Yo, then, just real quick, talk about our guy, Brian Nolan. Oh, that was my guy. Yeah. Like, that's, I love B. Nolan because he, we learned a lot from him. We was on them radio runs with him. I mean, we had one time when we was on a radio run, we was in such a deep conversation that we didn't realize we ran out of gas on the highway, <laughs> on the way from like Rhode Island to New York, me, him, and Cole. But it was like, he was just putting us on the game. And, and it was, and he was, I would say he was one of the first people in the Columbia building that truly believed. Because he came from a background where he was a Kanye fan. Like, he mm -hmm. knew what was going on. So so we get on this conference call, and I think, um, I forgot the head of Columbia's name, Steve. What I forgot his name. But he was like, yeah. Well, you know, Cole's like, thank you, everybody. Mom's coming out this week. I'm so excited. Thank you very much. And he's like, yeah, we got J. Cole. We're so excited for his album. It's going to be great. Um, make sure to check out. We, we think it's going to be big. We think he could do seventy five to 80000 his first week. And we're like, wait, what? You know, Mom, we were supposed to hear that. Yeah, it was on speaker, and not that that's a bad number. That's a great number, but at the time, it was like J Cole Drake, J Cole's gonna flop. So we knew if we came out this seventy five, it was it was a wrap. We yeah. was gonna hear it. Like the game was gonna try to bury us. And, and, and in our mind, we like, but bruh, how? Like we we doing shows, three thousand kids are coming out. We see the reaction. We see people like crying when they see him and going crazy everywhere we go. Like it can't be that. Like it's got to be more. But data experts, they know. And I remember, because even when I met Joey after that, or somebody was telling me, like, bro, people was taking bets at, at other labels, like, he's going to flop. Right. Like, people, I feel like really people wanted to see him fail. Right. And people didn't understand what we were doing. So the reason I say that changed a lot is because when he came out with no real single on radio and did 220 and was number one, everybody was like, hold up. You can build a fan base and sell records without a single. Right. And I, I felt, and right after that was Kendrick, mm -hmm. and I remember because Cole used to have long conversations with Kendrick, like, "Yo, don't let him, basically, don't do what I did." You yeah. know what I mean? Like, you don't have to do that. Because I remember there was like the rumor that party nauseous song. I remember we seen that. Me and Cole was like, "I text Dave Free, like, I don't know, bro. Like Kendrick and Gaga, like, yeah. don't do it, bro. Right. Like, yeah. you know what I mean?" And 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 I think that after that. And but I, by the way, I'm not saying that, that was the reason for, for that. I'm saying I think Kendrick probably already knew. But after that, I think after Cole and then Kendrick did it as well, then I think it was an understanding like, oh, okay, singles are not a necessity. You know what I mean? And then the game changed from there. So I say that to say I don't think, I don't think that Rock Nation, well, you know, Columbia Rock Nation really knew. I don't blame them. You know what I mean? I don't really blame them, but I don't think they knew. I think... I think it was, I think I don't want to say it was like fuck it man let's just let this guy get this guy shot but I don't think anybody believed right. it was going to do other than us. Well, it's also I mean, the way that um like before you were talking about how uh J Cole wanted to build up his own brand mm -hmm. and didn't want to be just like uh Jay-Z's artist, yep. right? So but also at that point was Jay keeping Cole at an arm's length because like remember that whole thing? I mean I'm sure you do where it was J. Cole and Jay-Z never, never take a, yeah, pictures together. We just never was in the same place. And we had pictures mm -hmm. that we would see. Like, well, put them like, out. Prove it. No, like, uh, <laughs> it's, still, it's still a thing. Yeah. Like, I bet you Lenny S. has a million pictures yeah. of Cole yeah, and Jay. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, at the time, it's like we weren't really around him as much. We, we went on tour with him, mm -hmm. which we would see him. And, you know, like, that was like the beginning of the relationship forming better. But we wasn't around him to be like, 
Cole wasn't in industry events because he didn't want to be there. You know what I mean? Like that wasn't really his thing like that. So, so it wasn't like they were like they would get around each other. They were like, "Yo, don't take the picture. Don't take the picture. Yo, I can't take a picture with you." I think <laughs> you know, like I can't do that. But I, I think also at that time there was a little bit. At least I can speak for myself, and I think for Cole too. You know, it was a little bit of resentment and like anger. Like, mm-hmm. yo, y'all don't know what y'all doing or what's going on. Like, why y'all treating us? But it wasn't, it was for the better, I think, eventually. But then then it got to a point where it was like, yo, we need a single. And then that's when it started feeling like they was trying to force. Mm-hmm. You know, they put him in with Stargate. Mm-hmm. They, um, you know. And I remember Cole had like arguments with Jay over this. Like, what? And Cole don't hold his tongue. So it was like he would go back and be like, yo, I'm not. You know, it was it was rough. I don't think anybody really knew what the fuck was going on. Mm-hmm. You know, when I look back at it, we knew we just had the music. We know we had people, but I don't think anybody knew how to break Cole, other than us. You know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, um, so we so. You know, I don't think that we were like he was keeping us away. Mm-hmm. It was just more so like Cole didn't make an attempt to build a relationship with him. Cole was more so like. I want you, and, and same way, remember I told you, he didn't want to tell people he's a rapper. He was like, I'm going to get signed, and then people going to find out. It was the same way. I don't want to be at a party with Jay. Like, nah, I'm going to earn my way there, mm. and then you're going to look at me and be like, this is my peer, you yeah. know, which, which he did that. And I think that's what it was, really. Um, what was the biggest difference for you between the first album and the second album? I think that um, we we really just started growing more confident in um in our in ourselves you know in our ideas so after the first album i started feeling more so like okay cole trusts me more i'm starting to take on a bigger role on this like everyday thing and i know i'm a part of it but and and now i could like kind of push more on the boundary of what i can suggest or what i think you know so when we was working on the second album which i always say was a a really dark time because I think we let the internet I think Cole let the internet get to him me too everybody because it was a time of like the first album didn't go like we wanted it to you know what I mean so I think people was like well why not because or how so rather music wise mm. because we had to put we put lights please in the morning can't get enough and lost ones on there which can't get enough and lost one had leaked like six months before that something crazy. Um, lights please on the warm up. In the morning was on Friday Night Lights. Um, we put he was forcing a couple songs. Like I always say, like Mr. Nice Watch, perfect song. <laughs> cold Cold World were like forces, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Like I want to play in this world. Yeah. And I think he um, he went away from what we were, we were doing. It's like we were like making these projects and albums and and like sequencing everything as within our team. And I think that one, it was so much going on that it was like he went to Jay and Mar Pitts to sequence and you know and and they have great value too because they're two of the greatest that's ever done it in their field. But like they weren't you know, they weren't a part of it as much as and I remember Cole after coming back be like, man, I'm never doing that again. Like in in the sense of I'm never like not doing this process with you and Mez and Internal Team because y'all were a part of this project. So, you know, songs that should have been on the album that maybe some other people felt like it shouldn't 
and it swayed opinions. You know what I mean? The way it was sequenced, uh, two songs that it was all fault. I mean, I was I was there for Mr. Nice Watch. I was like, man, that shit is crazy. And when I look back, it's not that Mr. Nice Watch wasn't good. It's just we didn't know how to execute that song right. Right. You know what I mean? Um, but by the way, do you realize that like the lyrics from that? Are still in the hot 97. hot ninety seven. I see it every time I see an interview. Like, how was that the lyrics y'all chose to keep up there? But, um, but so I think I think it just didn't come out how we wanted. Now, granted, I think that album could have been a classic with a lot of songs that were on there, and the songs that we wanted to like. There was a song called "Nothing Lasts Forever" that was like on the leak version. That's one of my favorite Cole songs, maybe ever. Like you know, they got taken out late. Like certain things that we weren't as confident in. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And um, so, and we heard that. You got the feedback, and it, and it hurt. You know, it hurt because like. Well, what do, what do um what do fellow artists say at that point? Like, is Drake reaching out and saying like, you know, you got this? Is, is oh no, Kendrick people yet? are hand like yo, this album's crazy because they see what it is. Yeah, like the songs. If you if you really look top to bottom at the album, like I said, other than like two songs, everything else is like top notch mm-hmm. music. You yeah. know what I mean? Like Down on Dream Three is a crazy intro. Can't get enough. Fine. Lights please. In the morning. Never told was crazy. Um Breakdown is one of my favorite cold songs. Lost ones. Um Nobody's Perfect. Like it's a lot of good songs on there, but it's the op- like the thing about making a classic album like just that feel, it's not just the music. It's like our energy was off. You know what I mean? Like, people could feel that our energy was off. We were we were unsure in the things we were doing. You know what I mean? Like, and um, and I think it just didn't come out how we wanted it. You know what I mean? And there were songs that didn't make it that we, like, Nothing Lasts Forever should have made it. Cheer Up should have probably made it. Like, it was songs that probably should have made it that, um, that didn't. So I think other people were like, man, this shit. I remember, like, Drake texting them, um, Yo, or Future the Prince was manager texting me like riding around. Yo, we listen to the album. This shit is crazy. Like you, you, you still gonna get those reactions because artists appreciate music. You know what I mean? So, um, so going into the second album, it was a dark place because it was like as successful as we, as he was and and the, the the tours were doing. It felt like we had to get ourselves out of that. It, it felt like we had to get to like a point of like. Yo, y'all gonna see that I am, you know, I think in this mind, I was like, y'all gonna see I am who who y'all think, you know, I, I'm supposed to be. I don't, I don't know what was going through his head, but it, that's just the vibe I got. And well, it, certainly it results in something like like Let Nas Down, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, Born Center was a dark album, you know what I mean? And, um, what was and the TLC, the TLC one, right? The TLC, yeah, Quick yeah. As My. And then it was, it was crazy because we was making that album and he, um, you know, he had a funk and he was like, you know what, I'm a, I'm going to go home and record out the house in my comfort zone. I'm going to stay out the studio for a bit. And he came back like two weeks later. We all got back in the studio. He played Power Trip. And I was like, bro, that's the one. Yeah. And Mez was like, that's the one. And then it was the first time we felt like, okay. Because mind you, we had already announced the album and said it was coming out January 28th. <laughs> and we had no chance of making it January 28th. <laughs> like, we didn't even announce that it was delayed. We just didn't put it out. <laughs> like, nobody questioned this. Like, they just knew it wasn't coming out. Like we did a whole announcement and everything and just that's it, left it alone. And um so he did nobody I mean uh power trip and it felt like something special. We had a lot of the core songs. Then he did then he had Crooked Smile. And this is why I really felt like I wanna say like even more confidence because for my on my end, it's like, you know, what I with the role I was playing, cause we had 
power trip of Crooked Smile, and I remember it was like a room of like 12 of us. And um, and he was like, man, I think we should go with Crooked Smile first. Like, damn near the whole room. And I'm like, man, y'all, y'all are crazy. Like, we need to go with power trip, because if power trip works, we separate ourselves from everything else on radio. Crooked Smile sounds like a radio song. Mm. We knew what it was, but power trip is different. Like, if it misses, it misses, and then we're kind of fucked. But we kind of got to roll the dice because if it hits, it's going to hit big. Like, nothing sounds like it. It has all the elements um, and, like, argument. My boy Adam was, like, the only person on my side. And I think Cole would have – I think Cole now, 100 times out of 100 times, would see that. But at the time, you're going through, like, this unsureness of, like, bro, what the fuck is going on? So he's like, I don't know, Crooked Smiles. Like, it was like the room was leaning towards Crooked Smile because it was like it's more of a short thing. But I was like, nah, bro, like, we got to go with Power Trip. And I remember Cole asked Jay, and Jay was like, yeah, you got to go with Power Trip. And Mark Pitts. And then I think that was, like, validation that I kind of knew what I was doing. You know what I mean? Like, and, and and he respected that. And I think he, you know, we knew what Power Trip. Power Trip, to me, was obviously the biggest single of his career at that till today. You know what I mean? Because of what it did. It separated him from everybody else at radio. Um, so So that second album was, like, coming to our own. Him coming to his own as an artist and understanding like what he what he wanted to be as an artist, me coming to my own in a role that I play, you know, for not just me, the whole team, like understanding like, yo, we did this. We kind of built this thing that got him this number one on the first album. We yeah. kind of built this thing. So uh did you do Summer Jam right after that? We came out of Summer Jam on Me with Miguel? With Miguel. Yeah. And their power trip. But what was we that went, like for a New York City guy? I hate Summer Jam. Oh. <laughs> I'm a, I'm gonna tell y'all the truth because yeah. Ebro a couple years ago asked to do Summer Jam and I told him straight up like man that's not a fun show to do like first of all I'm a true believer that hip hop doesn't belong in stadiums right unless you're Jay Z doing a, a hip hop show with Beyonce <laughs> or with Justin Timberlake mm-hmm. it's hard to pull off just a hip hop show in a stadium first off second off. Summer Jam is just waiting for the song of the summer. Right. Everybody else, they looking at like, <laughs> what are you doing here? <laughs> so it's not fun. You know what I mean? And then, so, and then they always like, I remember like New Jersey, um, what do you call them? Oh, the state, state troopers. troopers. Yeah. Like pull their rifles out on, on, on us and the band when we was coming for sound check because Cause one of us didn't have like a wristband on. We was like, Yo, you know, we talking about like we about to put the wristband on, chill out. Yeah. But like you better put that. We like, man, we don't need this. Like, no. like we really don't need this. But it's a great brand for what it's done. I just think that it doesn't play the cold strength. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. You're more uh, of the pre-show parking lot guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like we, which by the way was a crazy story. We did the pre-show parking lot, and I was DJing, and um, and the show started. And this shit didn't work. <laughs> and Cole came out to no music. And he looked back so pissed. And he started rapping. And that's when I knew, like, oh, that you man, this guy. you weren't going to make it as a DJ. Yeah, that, that too. Yeah. But that's when I knew, like, oh, this guy gets it. He just started rapping Simba acapella. Wow. Mm. And the crowd started going crazy. And I, and while we were back there fixing <laughs> the, C, the CDJs that weren't working, that's my uh, Summer Jam parking lot story. Oh, my God. But, but you know, like. So yeah, we came out this summer jam yeah. that year. Um, I think Kendrick was on that year. I remember telling him like, "Man, you don't want to headline this because mm. people leave early." Yeah, 
Like as soon as like it's niggas trying trying to get to the club, yeah, it empties out. So I told Kenny like, man, just try going. Yeah. <laughs> um, but. talk to us about the uh the surprise of 2014 Forest Hills Drive. So after Born Center, when I think Cole started coming to his own, you know, he did the whole Kanye thing. Like, yo, I'm gonna go at Kanye, and it was kind of like looked at by everybody. Like, well, y'all are crazy, but I think it, I think it gave him that confidence. Like. If I'm gonna play ball with the big guys, I gotta gotta show up, you know, to the same gym as them, and um, and then after that, I think Cole. I always tell a story to people. I think the the biggest changing point was the BT Awards. When he wore the Versace shirt yes. that everybody else wore. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm dead serious though. That was it. That's one of our favorite. Because things, yeah. what happened is Cole didn't want to wear that shirt, <laughs> and the stylist like, "You should wear this fire." And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a New York nigga. I like flashy shit. So I was like, yeah, that shit is fire. <laughs> and I'm like, you should throw in that chain too. That Cuban, like, yo, that shit fire. Cole was like, I don't know, man. And the whole joke was like, Cole was like, I don't know, bro. I felt like French Montana gonna have the same shit on. So then Cole was like, yo, somebody go to the red carpet and check and see if French Montana has this on. So we go to the red carpet and they was like, nah, you good. French Montana gonna got it on. And then. Cole was like, all right, cool. And as he's walking out, as he walks out, um, you know, someone, I, I leave their name out, okay. who was at home that knew what he had on, um, was like, no, go back and change. He, <laughs> DJ Drama, has, but he was already on the red carpet, and then Drama had it on, and then I think like Brandon T. Jackson, then Cole came <laughs> back into the, to the dressing room pissed, because he was like, he wasn't pissed at anybody else but himself. He was pissed like, I knew I didn't want to wear this. <laughs> and he's like, this ain't even me. Like, I'm not this guy. Why am I playing this game? Yeah. Because other people want me to. He's like, this not me. So he put on like a this baseball jersey that, that was fired. He ended up performing in. And I think after that moment, I could tell like a switch where he was like, I'm done playing this game. I'm done trying to be this person or listening to what these people online are saying or whatever. And then what ended up happening is, that was the beginning. We was on tour. I remember because we was on tour. A lot of lot of bumping heads started happening. You know what I mean? Like it was a great tour, but just you know, you argue with people, or whatever. It was still like a little bit of resentment, probably with Rock Nation or whatever. But um, we go, we're on tour, and he was recording something, and in the back on the back of the tour bus, and he called me over like, "Yo, I got it." Got it. I got the name for the next album. I'm like, oh, what is it? He's like, 2014 Forest Hill Drive. And I'm like, this was in 2013. And I'm like, that sounds fire, but what does it mean? He's like, <laughs> bro, my mom's, they foreclosed that, that house from us. That was the, you know, the house, that, the last house I had in Fayetteville. And I just found out it's going back on the market this year. So I'm going to buy it. So I'm buying that house. And he's like, and you know, I'm gonna name the album 2014 Four Sale Drive. And like, yo, I have the whole thing in my head. I was like, yo, let's ride, like, let's do it. And then what he did was he had a um a retreat where he bought obviously our team was there, by Storm team was there, key people from the Rock Nation team, Universal Publishing, um, Joey came because we had just did the deal. Mm -hmm. Our booking agent, Rob Gibbs, who's probably like one of the most important people in Colts' career as far as how he helped build the Torn brand. 
um, probably a few more other people. I'm not sure who. So we was there, and it was kind of like a retreat in the spring where Cole's like, this is what I'm doing this year. I'm doing this, this, this. I'm, I'm going to do Dollar in the Dream shows. I'm going to buy the house. I'm going to have a... Uh, after this, after we talked about it internally, I'm going to have a listening session in this house. That's how the only way you're going to be able to hear this album. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Blah, blah, blah. Drop this album 2014, Force of Dry. I remember everybody being like, wow, you guys really got your shit together. Let's see if this happens. You know what yeah. I mean? And I think that was the most... And that was really the time where I basically transitioned to management. Mm-hmm. And um, and I remember because I went to... So after we had all these ideas and everybody's on board, like, okay, cool. Sounds great. You know, let's see if this happens. I remember going to... Um, Rock Nation And I was like Alright this is what's gonna happen We're putting this album out But we're not gonna put music out Before the album And I'll, I'll leave names out <laughs> And I remember somebody Being there like Yo what do y'all think Y'all Beyonce or something Like That's not gonna work And we was like Honestly We don't care Like we don't care About first week numbers on this We really just wanna do it How we wanna do it We believe in this This is Cole's vision We wanna make it happen and if the first week numbers don't come out like our past shit has, cool. We believe that down the line, this is going to be our best album to date and it's going to sell the most down the line. Let us just do it this way. And I, and that same person called me to the office later. I was like, yo, when you said that, so I really respected that because that's how we came up. You know, mm-hmm. with Jay, we always wanted to do it always. So he's like, if you believe, like, I believe kind of thing. And, 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 and then me and Cole really had to be like, yo, like, it was a real conversation Like yo you know If we're not gonna put out No music And we're just gonna Cause Cole's whole thing Was like I don't wanna put out Any music I want people to digest The whole album But I wanna get people Excited With the story Of this album And if we get Our fan base excited Then they'll do The rest of the work Let's not worry about Getting SNL slots Rolling Stone covers To get people imaginary people excited right let's they, just aim for hbo yo <laughs> no, at but the you time, know what though at the time we didn't have hbo no, no. at the time it was like we have this we have this core fan let's get them hype and then if they hype they're gonna come out of support and their energy will travel mm. right so so that was the goal and then we was like we just gotta know that if we're not gonna put out any music how how we've been doing it then we have to be cool if these first week numbers come back and they look shaky, you know yeah. what I mean? If it's 75,000. Yeah, right. then we have to be cool with that. And Cole was like, <clears throat> I'm cool with it. I was like, if you're cool with it, like, if you're the one that's putting your career, you know, in the fort, like, it's your career. If you're cool with it, how could the rest of us not be cool with it? So so that was, like, the thing. But we really spent time putting together an incredible rollout without the music. So so we went to people's house. We went to the schools. We, we did all these things, and people, the excitement was there. Without hearing any music, you know what I mean. So that was just that was a fun time. Watching man. the journey of that on on Vimeo on HBO yep. was mind blowing. Yeah. And, and you know what? Like, even if it wasn't your intent to like level up or prove that you guys were like a list, that was the result. Like you watch that and you're just like, holy shit! Yeah, like, no, that's a good point because I remember feeling like we weren't a list yet. You know what I mean? And the funny part is. On no role models, Cole had the line where he's like, um, "Before I was a B-list celebrity," <laughs> and I remember being like, "Bro, why you don't say A-list? Like, if we trying to be A-list, like, why are we gonna?" He's like, "Cause I'm still, I don't, I'm not A-list yet," and I remember being like, 
damn, like that's pretty honest. Like <laughs> no rapper is gonna call himself a B list celebrity. <laughs> yeah. And after that album was really like when it took off. You and, know what I mean? And I I think I think you guys talk about it. You might even talk about it, right? That the album came out on in December, whatever. And still was the biggest rap album in terms of sales numbers yeah, for the year. For sure. In in twenty fifteen. Which is crazy. And then and then even in twenty sixteen, that album had done a billion streams. Like that album just kept traveling and it was kinda like it was it was just a feeling of like, okay, we know what we're doing now. Yeah. Right? We know what we're doing. We got we know what that how to bring to life what what we're trying to get through, right? And and we trust ourselves, you know what I mean? We're going to make mistakes. We still make, we'll make mistakes tomorrow, next week, whatever. But we're like at the best place we are right now to just why we wanted to do this in the first place. Yeah. It was fun. You know, it was fun. Like that shit was fun. Like to do that rollout, go to people's house, you know what I mean? Have people come to Fayetteville. They listen to the album, Cole walks in. They're like, it was just fun. It was just a fun ass time because because it started with Cole. Cole shed all of the, I don't want to say expectations, but all the thoughts of like being this thing. He's like, no, I'm Jermaine Cole. Like, that's what we're going to focus on. And it was just fun as fuck. And, and it worked. It worked. Like, it worked. You know, we've seen that. Um, and how has life changed for you since you guys brought Dreamville over to Interscope and, and really launched the careers of a whole bunch of talented kids? It, it's... It's fun because you get to start over and you get to do it different. But it wasn't like we didn't, we're not there yet in a sense. Like we're there because we have a lot of people that are starting to take off. But we're not fully there. I think um, what what happened is when we were, when we went from Forest Hill Drive where everything was booming, um, Cole fell back. You know what I mean? And now it was like starting other people's career was was fun. And and for him to play a different role now was fun. But but um but we weren't we didn't get to where we wanna get yet. I wouldn't even say we got to where we wanna get with any of the artists yet. You know what I mean? It's not like not only as a label, just the individual I think we're on path to what we wanted to do. But like, you know, Boss is clearly on his way, you know, Jid is Got heat on him Like Kaz is about to put out his album His shit is going Like Of course You know Ari Omen Loot Everybody Has their lane That they're Really I will say this year To me is the most exciting year Because I've heard everybody's music And I'm like Holy shit You guys are all At the best of your ability Right now Which is impressive And fun So it's like That We haven't gotten there yet But we're getting there I think that Since I'll say this, when Four Cell Drives drop, Apple Music and Tidal didn't even exist. You know what I mean? Like Spotify was the only thing, and then Cole did 11 million streams his first week, and it was the biggest ever. So from Four Cell Drive to now, to, to even to when we got to Four Yards Only, the game had changed so much. So I think it was a lot of learning, relearning, you know what I mean, that we had to do and that we're doing now. Mm-hmm. It's like you have to relearn. You have to like go through it again. You know, we learn putting four yards only out we learn putting boss down out we learn doing these hbo like we you have to relearn because the game has changed and that's the fun part really eric and i were having a conversation last night with somebody who um used to work with another rapper who 
has taken time off of social media and had lost out on deals because he was not on social media. The rapper or the manager? The rapper. Okay. Um, who cares about the manager? Yeah, sure. <laughs> who cares um, about managers? But, you know, Cole is another artist who isn't really present at all on social media. Um, what is what is that like? Um, you know, do you have other aspirations for him other than just being a rapper, just being somebody on the music side? Like, is he somebody who you're like, or, or does he want to be? Somebody I think who, it's more about what he wants to do. I think that for sure that there's other plans. And I think his brand, like we, you know, in any contract you do now, party hosting, shows, whatever, they include like social media. First thing I tell him off bat, he's not doing that. Right. <laughs> like we're not tweeting. We're not your promoters. Mm-hmm. We are not the promoters. You know what I mean? You promote your party. Like, that's your job. You promote your show. That's your job. Our job is to show up and deliver, right? So he's not, that's Cole's thing. Like, I'm not a promoter. Mm-hmm. I don't have to promote anything I don't want to promote. So we put that out there, and we still get the deals we want. You know what <laughs> I mean? It's never stopped anybody. But his reach is just really good. You know what I mean? Like, and, and I always say to people, I don't think Cole has the most fans out of all the hip-hop artists. They're just the loudest. <laughs> it, they, yes. Yeah. And they're also... Like the the biggest percentage of fans that actually come out and support whatever he does. Mm-hmm. Like some other artists might have two million fans, but like two hundred fifty will come out and support. If Cole has like let's just say two million fans, one point five of those are coming out, mm-hmm. no matter what. You know, like they really believe in him. They they believe in his brand. So, and and his understanding of like I'm gonna focus on them first and foremost. Everything else is extra. And and um and you know that's 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 what he does. Like that's. Well, he does better than anybody, and and he understands that. Um, when it comes to building, you know, these new, newer artists' careers, mm-hmm. um, do you talk to like a top dog? Do you talk to other people and and say like, you know, not like what, not what do you do, but like, you know, do you get game off of anybody? Well, I, I definitely talk to other people, but not, not frequently, and I also realize like everything's different. Right. You know what I mean? Like, Top's operation is way different than ours, you know? Like, they, they run it a certain way, and but I have a great relationship with Dave. You know, I have a great relationship with Top when I see him, but I talk to Dave more. Um, so I'll talk to him about something. We'll, we'll go back and forth here and there, not, not, not too often. The person I probably talk to the most easily is probably Future, uh, Future the Prince, mm-hmm. who manages Drake. So, and he's also like, He's a, a friend first, you know, at this point. So we t- we'll talk a lot. But, you know, I'll ask, I'll ask people here and there. Like, like I tell you, um, the other day I called XXX manager, Solomon, right? Mm-hmm. Who's a kid I knew from before who's, you know, trying to get one of the other artists signed that we knew who now made XXX. And I told him, I'm like, bro, I have things I have to relearn from scratch. Because the game is different. Like, I can't walk around like I know everything. I don't know how you break an XXX. How did that happen? I don't know how Little Pump breaks. I don't know how any of these kids break. But it's interesting. Because a whole new world. They know how to use a whole new world to their advantage. And with these new artists, they don't have to do the same thing they did. But you have to play somehow where you get the same results, right? So how do you do that? And so, of course, like, I'll ask questions. I don't mind asking questions. You know, I, I talked to Sasha 
from Scoremore a lot. That's mm-hmm. my close friend, you know what I mean? And he does it in a different way. And he started with shows and touring and he's building something else. So it's like, I like picking people's brains because I come first and foremost from the creative side of working on music, working on a vision, on a rollout, on a brand. Like, what are we trying to get accomplished? The other stuff I've learned as I went, I'm still learning. I don't think it's, I don't think you ever stop learning. Not as long as shit changes. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. people are coming up off of who the fuck knows what. Like, I mean, Little Pump came up with a whole fuck J. Cole campaign. That's pretty impressive. Like, <laughs> of course he was doing other shit. Right. But it's like, the art of trolling is incredible because it, it, it's real now. Like, God had a huge hit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You can't deny that. Yeah. So, it's about learning. I think I don't mind asking people questions. Well, congratulations on an amazing run so far and and everything that you're doing now with with your whole roster you you still are a hell of a coach by the way and it's it's unbelievable like what you have done kicking in the door to music industry just knocking on that door you and the rapist you know yeah me and the rapist (laughs) yeah we gotta stop doing that before before people start like (laughs) no but that's that's real I mean I think that you know I would say that I think that it's fun like being able to bring his vision to life but at the end of the day he knows what he wants to do probably more than anybody will ever see and how he wants to do it even the fact that he can he can turn down money because he knows it's something bigger at the end like, like after his first album he should have renegotiated his, his like, deal right because his deal was you know kind of shitty deal in a sense because he was new artist for nothing and he would always be like nah I'm good second album they kind of renegotiate I'm good, I'm away, I know what I'm doing. After the third album, he's like, all right, now I want my masses back. Like, I don't want money. Just give me my, like, the fact that, like, that's a vision that not a lot of people have. You know, or like saying, I want to do certain things. Like, he thinks five years down the line, which, you know, it makes it easy for me, because then it's like, I just got to go execute it. Sometimes, of course, we come up with that day together, we come up with things, or, you know, of course, a lot of times. But when you haven't, I always tell people, because I I deal with this with our new artists on, on some of them I'm like it's but so much the people around you can do for you if you're not doing if you don't have an idea for yourself what you want to do you know what I mean like first and foremost you gotta have your own team and then you can use a label or a Dreamville or a TV you know whatever the case wherever wherever you're wherever you at but you gotta have your own team and you gotta be Knowing what you want and trying to build that out, you know what I mean. Before, before anything else, you can't just make music and be like, "I, I, I did my part." Like, nah, that's not how it works no more. Because people don't buy into music; they buy into the artist. You know what I mean? Like, just to use him as an example again, it's, these kids love Little Pump. You know what I mean? Like, it don't matter that he had a top hit. He would, whatever that song was gonna be, it was gonna go. You know. Um, people love Drake You know what I mean Like people love Cole People People love Kendrick Before anything And the music Of course you, The music has to Go hand in hand with that But If they don't love you They're not coming out to the show You know They'll listen to your music But they're not gonna support it necessarily And I think If you have a vision for yourself There's no way that can Really happen In a sense but, Thanks so much Eve. Nah thank y'all Yeah That was fun That was awesome Thanks, everyone, for listening to this new episode of A Waste of Time with It's The Real Jeff. If people want to find out more about you and me, not the Cassie song, or is that me and you? Uh, you me. and me, right? You I and me? I can't remember. If people want to find out more about that song, 
We're It's The Real. If people want to find out more about this podcast, it's called A Waste of Time with It's The Real. And if people want to find out more about what's going on in our lives, where can they go? You can always go to itstherial.com, I-T-S-T-H-E-R-E-A-L, no apostrophes, no spaces. Go to itstherial.com for all updates. It's The Real. You can find our podcast on itunes search for a waste of time with it's the real we are also on soundcloud.com slash a waste of time we're also on stitcher and i think most streaming services yes correct if you're trying to listen to our podcast all of our episodes are on there wherever you're listening right now go back there go back there and listen to our podcast if you are looking for our music it is on all streaming services including but not limited to spotify where our song sugar high is up to 552,000 plays Go listen again. Do it again. Go listen to Waco, which was played in the Tonight Show the other day. Go to Title and listen to Waco. Go to Apple Music and listen to V-Neck. Go to Pandora and listen to Indoor Boys. Go to... When you really want people to like spread their oats like this? I def- it, Listen, guys. This is like the Airbnb of uh, streaming platforms. Go do it. Yeah. Just do it. Uh, if you want to find us on Instagram, we are at It's The Real. Facebook at It's The Real. Twitter at It's The Real. On Snapchat, we are It's It's The Real because It's The Real was taken. And on Twitch, we are It's The Real, It's The Real, even though we've never used Twitch. So, we've been looking at the numbers lately. It's become sort of our latest hobby. We're like, well, we're doing well with the podcast, but we want to do better. So, what do the numbers say? The numbers say that we want to double up again. That's what the numbers say? The numbers are like, come on. Let's double up and make this a really big year. So that only happens if you guys spread the word and tell a friend. And we know that that starts with us. And we love to tell you guys to go tell your friends. So, Jeff, who would you like to tell? I have so many people to tell about this podcast because there were so many people on Twitter who were like, drop this podcast now. It's (laughs) Friday and you announced it now. So blah, 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 blah. So, I just want to shout out a few quick people. I want to shout out Real Smith Mix. That's Jeff Smith Smith. I also want to shout out 707GSW. I want to shout out FMSL Gabby and Anthony Supreme and Polo Piffington. All right. I also want to shout out Dynamite. This is Warren Philou and Raymaine. All right. I, Jeff, would like to shout out uh, one of our most loyal followers who every time we say not for real for real on any platform, he responds with, sure, sure, Detroit player. And that's Detroit, P-L-A-I-R. And the funny thing about about Detroit player Player. is that he does not live in Detroit anymore. Where does he live? I don't know. He told me one time and I forgot. I don't remember if it's like somewhere in Ohio or if it's in Buffalo or somewhere else. But... He doesn't live in Detroit anymore. Does he live in the swingers' den in LA? He might. I just don't know. But Detroit player, when you're listening to this, player. please let us know where you're living these days because we want to get this right. We're we want to get you back to Detroit. We're trying to make that Detroit thing happen, and you are our connection. Guys, spread the word about this podcast. Go listen to our music. Go check out our videos. Go check out that Rockefeller video. Why not? Go check out the uh, DJ Semtex video. Why not? Go check out our Waco video. Why not? As always, guys, not for real, for real. Sure, sure. See you guys next week. Right.